0: every henley race is a story i've seen some of the most exciting racing i've had a swimmer across the henley women's course in the middle of a race you've had blade clashes you've had everything it's anything can happen those booms will come out and bite you the other crew is just faster right there is only one winner and we people often talk about how gladiatorial the whole henley experience is and you know there's no there's no repishage there's nothing like that you know Two boats go down, only one shall emerge victorious.
1: Hey, what is up? Welcome to Last Stroke Counts. Today we are joined by the crew liaison for Henley Women's Regatta, Mrs Anne Bakkenham, uh Anne is someone who doesn't need an introduction but i'm very pleased to welcome you to the podcast today Anne.
2: i'm really thrilled to be here thanks for coming on uh again another one in the leander library um which was convenient um but I, we've said before such a great place to do it um really excited with this one i mean there's, there's not much in rowan that you haven't been involved in um like you said over the pond head of the charles for a long time women's henley here committee uh, Leander I'm sure a million other things which which we'll get into but um yeah loads of things to talk about which maybe we haven't necessarily spoken about with other a- uh, athletes
1: or coaches or rowers that we've had on the, on the show so you know I think this is going to be a really fun one yeah Anne's going to bring a lot of brilliant perspectives and like we all three of us go back quite a long way now that we, we've actually been chatting off air before starting the episode like it's been quite a, quite some time
0: it's been quite some time, and and of course, as I was saying, when you came here, I think we all first met at various points here in the Leander Library over
2: the yeah. years. Yeah, I think I probably first met you at one of the uh, Meet the Athlete dinners. Oh, I think. okay. But since then, always been. It's always great to bump into you, and I don't like. I don't think you can ever bump into Anne and not come away with a smile on your face.
1: <laughs> That's great. That is true. Yeah, exactly. I used to bump into Anne here in the Leander Library when uh, I was doing revision for my A levels. And Anne was just busy uh, fixing the world. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I wish, I wish, I wish, it, if I was allowed to fix the world, I would hope it would be more fixed, but you know.
2: One step at a time. Every,
0: every, you know, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time.
2: One the Henley women's crew at a time. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> well, right.
0: Doing time. Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Uh, awesome. So as we start with everyone else, I'm be really interested to find out how you found rowing in the first place.
0: Uh. So I, I suspect I've found rowing a little different to a lot of people. I grew up in an area that rowing was not a thing, um, but I'm actually kind of shocked and delighted to find out that it has become a thing. Yeah. There are now rowing teams in the town where I grew up, at the universities near where I grew up that didn't exist when I, when I went there. And it was it's kind of amazing. So Lehigh University, Lafayette College, uh, Allentown School District, way to go, guys, and I really want to come back and actually, like, come see your programs and see it in person, and I want to get you here to Henley, all yeah. of you. I want to get, it's sort of my life's mission now is to just get people here to Henley, and we, we get more and more every year, and and I'm, I want to make more of that happen. But so I, uh, I was near Philadelphia, so about an hour outside Philadelphia, and you would see it, knew nothing about it, Spent a year at an American college that bizarrely printed all these Allegheny crew sweatshirts despite not having a rowing program and not being near anywhere we could row. Uh, Took my sophomore year abroad at the University of Nottingham here in England. And was very, very fit from basketball. Wanted to try rowing and turned up. And um, uh, I think to say that I was not good was a, a wild understatement. So we had the first day of rowing and you're obviously on the ergs and there were two of us in the lineup and the coach uh, desperately trying to find something positive to say. <laughs> desperately trying to find that. And there were two of us to whom he said, um, well, your heart's in the right place. And we might be the two people from that crew that have gone furthest in rowing because the other chap, uh was a gb lightweight for the atlanta games
2: amazing i mean i'd always (laughs) as a coach i'd always take an athlete with the who wants who's working hard the one who can just do it but doesn't really care oh
0: they i mean they weren't they were they were trying to again they were trying to be positive they're trying to keep us here but yeah day one didn't look promising but we kept (laughs) coming back um and the problem is and i think you find this much more at the European universities that you're, I mean, we were coached by third years Mm. who may have only, excuse me, started in their first year um, and are also busy coaching the third years to try and win something. So we would go off and I would be at five and I was, I'm, you know, you can't always tell on audio, but I am six foot five and uh, the rudder would be on full and we'd be going 15 degrees the opposite direction with me at five. And it was, and they're like, "Why don't Why don't you row half slide or half power?" And at which point the weight power ratio just makes me a drag on the boat. So then I would go row at five with the men, and that seemed to work okay. But you couldn't race that way. And I mean, I did a couple races, and it was, I mean, it just wasn't working. And I've broken, I've broken a lot of rowing coaches' hearts over the years with this. They're like, "But you can, but you can rig for that. You can, you can do all these things." And I said, "Yes," but there were third years and it didn't happen.
2: So did you not fancy sculling or was it, it was all just worrying? So somebody makes?
0: did teach me to scull in the spring. Somebody taught me to scull in the spring um, and I fell in first day and I was, a, yeah. I was in a boat that was so old. It was a wooden boat, beautiful thing, but it was so old and they're like, don't worry about the leaks. It hasn't been in the water <laughs> for years. As the water goes back into the wood and swells up, it won't leak so much. So I did that and then went uh, home and then found... And I kind of I'm not sure how I did this because this is this is pre I'm old people. this is pre-internet days. And Vesta Boat Club, God bless you guys, uh, put me out in my first double to make sure that I had even vague competence and then said, "Great, you know, come in off the water, girl behind me in bow stands up she's the single strongest thing I've ever rowed behind. and And she'll be fine. And they said, right, fix this split plate. here's you can use this boat, pay us a hundred dollars, and here's a key. and you can row all summer. And I worked shifts, so I would finish my shift, I would drive down, middle of the day, nobody there, nobody on the river, just sculled all by myself, no coaching, no nothing. Fell in a couple of times again. Um, best one was somebody shouted, hey, sculler, from a bridge, and I looked up and they dropped their trousers. And being the innocent, naive thing that I was, I let go of both oars, <laughs> covered my eyes. When I came up, they were laughing, so I they had not expected that. But to be fair, neither had I.
2: That's and a humbling the, experience. Falling in,
0: it's not when you do it as often as I do. Uh, no, <laughs> it's um, you know, but, sometimes you just need a bath.
2: But you, but you've you still caught the bug for it. You've, you still fell in love with it. I, I still fell so in love with it. it. Love
0: hate. I, or... I, I, no, it's no, it's not a love hate. I, but yeah, so but i But that's the thing. So I went back and uh, erg tested. Uh, first ever erg test based on watts, beat the men's senior eight every last freaking one of them oh,
1: how good did um, that feel get in
0: walked off walked off um, very good friend was bow of the eight actually came over to the thing and he's like ease up you're beating my score and I was just like you know we were those kind of friends so he, I knew that I meant let's get going yeah yeah and then um, walked off walked out in the hallway Time zones, missed medications, everything else, because I'd just come off the plane from America, walked into the hallway, had a massive seizure, because I am epileptic, and I did not row again until I was 27. But I do have a card from the team with Joe's writing, big letters, serves you right for beating my score. Love and kisses.
2: Uh, Well, you won't be the only one to have (laughs) done that. That's the thing, isn't it? If you can finish it, finish in a good score, get up, walk out the room before you Mm -hmm. collapse, you get like yeah. The, yeah the you can't collapse edge. right there. Can't yeah. collapse
0: there. You've got to, got to let somebody find you.
2: I also think you might be our first uh, rower whose previous sport was actually basketball. Having all of us having been spent our entire life telling people that no, we don't play basketball. We row. But you did play basketball. But I guess coming from America, that's that, I guess you probably didn't have much choice. At six foot five,
0: I officially did not have a choice. Yeah, <laughs> I, I resisted playing basketball for many years. And uh, so I changed schools a bunch of times and I changed schools again in seventh grade and they wanted me to play basketball and I refused. And in eighth grade, they asked me to play basketball and I refused. And I was immediately informed that if I did not at least try out for the team, um, I was going to fail PE. And if I failed PE, I was going to fail eighth grade. And if I failed it, I mean, and it was all drawn out.
1: You got coerced into it
0: coerced is a very mild term for the level of emotional pressure wow. i was put under
2: this is your first experience of real politics at uh, play <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes um and i mean ultimately i am glad they did it yeah um it was my is my first um so again i, I so i was six foot five i've been this height since i was 14 so and i'm two years younger than anybody else i'm a june birthday i skipped kindergarten i was you know Uh, i was very bullied i was very picked on and at least when i played basketball like people were happy to see me turn up people Mm. were happy to see me there people you know they had something to talk to me about and uh so yeah so i did i i I played basketball that's good and and but eventually found running and then when i was 27 having not rode again through uni when i was 27 i moved to boston um and and initially was miserable because like how do you meet people how do you what do you do? Uh, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm working to find jobs. I'm, I'm doing all this kind of stuff. What do you do? I'm going to have to go back to American law school and re-qualify and all this kind of stuff. And I called my my best friend who's a member of this club and whose dad is a member of this club. Uh, I think his brother is as well. And, and I was like, dude, I hate this. I'm, I'm so miserable. I hate this. What do I do? And he's like, you've always wanted to go back to rowing go for it i'm like how do i it's like just turn up at a boat club they'll be thrilled to see you
2: was it steve steve from river and rowing that was just saying the other day and he moved around quite a lot and every time you go to a new place it's difficult you don't know anyone but he said go and join the boat club you'll find 30 other people who are as mental as you yep, yep.
1: <laughs> yeah you've all got a lot in common boom you've got your, it's got your such, network it's such good advice like my yeah. friend's currently going through a break up and like he's out in the water. he's like i don't know anyone dude i'm like go down i just named like three or four rowing clubs i was like go there just go and say hello like you'll meet some friends like straight away he was like oh yeah actually that's a good idea it's yeah. a rowing club it just tends to collect people
2: that don't sort of quite fit in in a bunch of other sports so quite often people who you know the old the age old thing of not being good at ball sports and there's a lot of people who want to do something sporty or athletic but don't necessarily fit in any other group and we seem to all just gather them all up into well the well and,
0: it, and it's a fabulously it's a fabulous thing for the socially awkward because while you're rowing, you're not talking. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. These
0: yeah. are all the teammates you're for- forging a bond with while you don't talk to them.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. It's yeah. a
0: fabulous sport for the shy and the quiet. Yeah. Sit down, shut up.
1: Row, <laughs> yeah, yeah. In trick box, I, I think this this is maybe why I got on with some so many people in rowing because
2: you've, spe- you've never spoken to them. They're all a bit weird. I saw someone else, someone the other day who was struggling a bit with their rowing coach, and I was like, "But you need to remember, all rowing coaches are a bit odd because all rowers are a bit odd. And they all used to be rowers, so just got to deal with it a little bit sometimes."
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, so yeah, so then you got back into rowing in Boston,
0: mm-hmm. uh, and then yeah it was amazing and again fell into a great group of people some fabulous coaches um i mean some really fabulous coaches i've i turned up for one uh, scratch crew in switzerland of all places from american from american clubs and you know these people looked at me and they're like where did you learn to row and i told them and they're like who taught you and then you know like ethan curran linda murray bill patterson ted benford and they're like you're in <laughs> and it's like like they hadn't even seen me at that point but I mean I had these amazing coaches yeah and and yeah and just built that amazing and i kind of never looked back
2: yeah and then so as well as kind of doing rowing yourself you mm-hmm. got involved in organizing from 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 quite early on or you've been doing that a long time
0: I've been doing that a very long time because here's the secret boys and girls uh if you're very shy like myself and It's all about the coping mechanisms and Tom, Tom, you and I were talking about this ahead of time. So I actually don't like meeting new people and I don't um, enjoy being, I've I've said it before and I'll say it again, to me, meeting new people is just somebody who hasn't made fun of how I look yet Mm. and and I find it utterly terrifying. But coping mechanisms up the wazoo because I can't hide, Mm. I can't escape, I can't hide even well-meaning people are going to say, occasionally, breathtakingly stupid things, and, um, and it's very hard. But, but if you volunteer, if you have to turn up to an event, and there's going to be all these people there, and, you just, and you're going to have to make polite chit-chat, and it's terrifying, it's absolutely terrifying... If you turn up to an event and your job is to sell raffle tickets, then I can walk up to you and I have—I know exactly what I'm going to say to you. I know exactly how this transaction is going to go. And when it's over and done with, before you can say something breathtakingly stupid, I'm going to go to you and say, "Hi, would you like to buy a raffle ticket?"
2: Right. The other thing for me is, once you've, I once you've—I know—I know that if I let myself, I do nothing. I never leave the house. I never go out. So once you've locked in, once you've told someone you're going to come and help. Mm-hmm. then you have to yeah then you're forced into that position and then generally it's never as bad as i thought it was in general and kind of enjoy myself in some way
0: if i if i'm busy the whole time yeah it does it doesn't i have a job to do and i'm going to do the job and then i'm going to go home and i've gone to the thing
1: exactly you don't need to like come up with like new chit chat ideas new chat up lines and all those sorts of things you've kind of got a script for the raffle like exactly. okay do you want to buy this do you want to do that okay cool now, yeah. on to the next and, so, and- I have a I have a reason to leave. I have a reason to leave you. <laughs> and
0: then when the raffle is over and done, time to go home.
2: The other great one I found is um, if you want to, if you want like with chit chat and stuff, just the first question is uh, like, what do you do for work? And your response will get whether they enjoy work or not. So if they enjoy work, oh, I do this. And then you just let them talk about their work. If they don't, Oh, God, you know, I'm, I'm an accountant, whatever. No offence to accountant. Uh, then uh, then you go, oh, well, you know, well, what, what do you do for fun? And then they'll tell you their passion. And then you just let them talk about that. You just let make them do the talking about what they love. That's how I make that work. Mm. And
0: then they think you're the most fascinating person.
2: Yeah, and you've not said anything. He's you great. Don't... I love talking to that guy. He was amazing. It's like I've had half an hour talk about motocross biking. I've never done it in my life. I don't know anything. I to- oh, you, you know? like you know you know you know you know when you when you actually like dig it in on it you know and you get the turbo cranking it like, yeah oh yeah you know you just have to nod
1: and they 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 love it and I you had the motocross conversation about two weeks ago and I've never never been it never been on there, never but
0: but maybe maybe this is where I differ a little bit. I love that. I love that conversation. I love hearing whatever somebody is so passionate
2: oh,
1: yeah. and, I think and key,
0: nerdy about yeah. the key yeah.
1: point is hearing i love asking questions not so much talking myself yeah so that's, <laughs> yeah yeah i love hearing about things you're passionate in
0: yeah but and, also, and again i've learned about all kinds of stuff that yeah. i was like this is really cool that I, I, I didn't know about before
2: definitely yeah and i mean also as well like rowing clubs again like I said such a different mix of people like it's not it's a, not a sport it's something that starts quite late so a lot of people find it for bunch of different reasons so you get to meet lots and lots of different people um but going back to the organizing thing as well and also you know clubs are built off so many volunteers like, especially in this country like so many volunteer coaches and and things get fixed and done because people like step step up to the plate and actually like you know give a lot of their time to make these things work
0: the problem of course is that not enough people do it yeah not enough people do it and people are worried that they don't have the skills to contribute they don't now, whatever it is that you're good at, and maybe we'll help you find something that you're good at, there's a role for you. Mm. There's a role for you. You too can sell raffle tickets. And the, great, the other thing about it is because we need volunteers so much throughout this entire sport is you will rapidly be promoted beyond any levels of competence you actually have <laughs> rapidly you can you can ascend to some pretty high heights
1: you'd, you'd say that you'd think we could sell raffle tickets but when we tried early this year people called us scammers because we were trying to give away a rowing machine for a fiver <laughs> not necessarily call us
2: scammers but yeah they couldn't believe the deal that we did we painted this rowing machine red and to raise money for our friends who are currently crossing the Atlantic they just set oh. off a few days ago and uh yeah everyone was just like really like suspicious of it so oh, you think we just we'd... give you five pounds and you give me a rowing sheet.
0: yeah no, that's the right pounds and it's a chance yeah
1: a chance yeah yeah so you'd think we could sell some raffle tickets but... yeah.
0: context sure. is key context is key. sorry <laughs> what I'm... you need is a cocktail party <laughs> to raise funds for those people and then at the cocktail party you sell the raffle tickets uh,
2: yeah see there you go this girl's so learning already <laughs> everybody
0: everybody already knows why they're there
2: i did um We'd coached at Oxford for a while, was so one of the summer eight events, I was down at the bank getting ready, and one of the empires came up to me, and was like, hello, um, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm supposed to be checking the boats before they go off? Something about a bow ball or something, and, and, and footplates and things? And I was like, come here. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Took her in the boathouse, crash course, like, it's like, how are you here? I don't know how you've found yourself in this position, but, but the same thing, just ask, you know, like we've all been, I think it's another thing about rowing is because you, most people, even at the earliest 12, mm-hmm. you start rowing, you remember being rubbish at it. Mm-hmm. And I think, we've talked about this before, but lots of people in France learn how to ski before they can walk. Mm-hmm. Like two-year-olds don't remember being rubbish at it. So there seems to be, I think, maybe it's just a perception, but sometimes in sports like that where um, people, you know, are novices or like in the way or pain in the ass and things like that. So I think in rowing, like, you can just be like, oh, yeah, I remember when I was crap. And I think mm-hmm. people are a lot more willing to like help out, not
1: just rowing in general. Tom, remember, some of us never move past the stage of not being crap anymore. <laughs> oh, you put yourself down. You're a British champion. I'm not talking about me. <laughs>
2: Good. Um, so, Speaking
0: on behalf of all the crap people out there.
2: <laughs> wow. But then, at the end of the day, what are you? Are we here? You know, you're here to have fun. Fun. Have fun first. We're, yeah. And second. Exactly.
0: And I say every single year, I have the best job at Henley Women's Regatta. Yeah. And if because it's it's a good job for me. Um. So I help, starting with foreigners, come to Henley, and, you know, and thrive and survive and have a place to live and know how to get around and know what's going on.
2: How did and, you first get involved with women's Henley?
0: Uh, So I was actually, yeah, so I actually was first involved with Masters Henley on a similar but much more limited role because Masters Henley people, I mean, they don't stay in the houses and things like that, but I've been doing that for uh, Masters Henley for a few years. Um, And then the great Miriam Luke came along and was the new chair in 2013 of Henley Women's Mm -hmm. and realized that we needed a lot more volunteers. And one of the volunteers that she wanted to recruit, one of the roles she actually created was my job. Um and I didn't find out for a couple of years that apparently she asked three people before me and they all went, Nope, 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 nope. And and but two of them out of the three apparently said, You should ask Anne Buckingham. Um mm-hmm. and I and, and I knew Miriam. I'd I'd known Miriam a little bit before twenty twelve, but then in twenty twelve her job was to run the rowing village. Mm-hmm. And my volunteer role was assistant to GB Paralympic team, so we'd encountered each other then, uh, and she got a hold of me, and I could not jump at this chance fast enough. Absolutely couldn't jump at this chance fast enough, and so I've now, but that was 2013, which now means I've been doing it for a decade. Wow, Wait for a decade.
2: It's scary to think of these things now.
0: Yeah, but well, we've got a we've got a lot of crews who've never been here before over to Henley. The problem is I know there's a lot more that want to come. Mm-hmm. I know there's a lot more that want to come. But um, as much as you said, you know, she needs no introduction. Everybody knows you. Well, a lot of people do. And I am easy to spot in a crowd. But a lot of people don't. Mm-hmm. And and there's a lot of information on the Henley Women's website. But it's rightly about the racing. Mm-hmm. And if you know, you know, but if you don't know, then my name is deep down on the international cruise page and here's your contact. But it doesn't really say much more than maybe I can help with housing. Um, but I also don't know how else you'd better encapsulate what I do. So, you know, but I'm, I'm here. I, but every year people are like, what do I need to know? How do, what, what are the secret tips? What are the what are the whole things where I need to know? And And that's, you know, why I'm really glad to sit down and talk with you guys.
2: So in 2013 when you started, mm-hmm. do you know sort of statistically what percentage of foreign crews were coming
1: to Women's Henley as opposed to men, well, Henley Royal? And, and, and roughly yeah, ha- uh, the total num- number of competitors, just so we can have like a... So in
0: 2013, we had uh, around 1,200 competitors. Mm. Um, and the percentage of overseas crews was actually pretty low mm. because prior to that point, um, somebody did have a list. We had stacks of paper, but I mean, I, I was given the stack of paper and the first three people I called had moved and the fourth person I called had died and I officially then just gave up.
2: Gonna start again.
0: Right. We're just going to start again. Um, mm-hmm. And so we just started trawling through bits and pieces to get what we could. and I, pl- I, I placed a lot more GB crews mm-hmm. than I did uh, overseas crews. But oddly, and conveniently, the first overseas crew that I did speak to was uh, somebody I'd never rode for, but a coach I'd, I'd seen every single day down at the boathouse at CRI, which was Steve Fisk at Boston College. Cool. And he was literally the first person I got to call up and be like, how can I help? Hey, it's Anne Wolf, as was. How can I help you?
1: Cool.
2: So a then in relation to Anne uh, Henley Royal at that time was probably, I mean, I don't know. It's not what would you say, something like 20%, 30% higher?
0: Depends on the year. Yeah. Depends on the year. Uh, In an Olympic year, you're going to have a lot more of the overseas Mm. crews coming because they realize they're not going to have to face, like, the Australian national team in round one, and they might stand a chance at something. Um, But, of course, you do. I mean, you often get a high percentage anyway Mm. uh, at Henley Royal because um, you have so many student events and so Mm. many intermediate and club events. And uh, we have all those also at Henley Women's. But it's um but Henley Royal, um, and I will correct you if you say Henley Men's. Oh sorry, yeah, uh, no, <laughs> no I put my hand up. I, I, pol- I politely correct collect, correct a lot of people a lot of the time on that. Um, but especially now that there's more women's events, um, especially now, you know, parody is coming, we're not there yet, but parody is coming. And they have and so the thing about the men's events, specifically in the American crews, is men's crews are allowed to come every year if they want to, because it's not an NCAA-regulated sport. It's a okay. particular rule in America. And women's crews, because they are an NCAA-regulated sports, are only permitted once every four years for okay. a Division One school, which would be the largest, and the Division Two II and Three schools are permitted to come every three years, but usually don't have the budgets for it. What, why is that? Uh, oh, yeah. So, there is Title IX of the United States Civil Rights Act, which mandates that any public funds have to be proportionally allocated between men and women. Mm-hmm. And when that comes down to sports in America, in terms of National Collegiate Athletic Administration sports, uh, it's been a huge boon to women's rowing. Because what takes as many people and as much expensive equipment as American football, women's rowing. Yeah, but men's rowing uh, has historically been excluded from that, and indeed, the, uh, very historically, the men's crews—Harvard, uh, Princeton, Yale—didn't didn't want to compete with you know other crews for the NCAA. They already had their racing system set up; they had everything set up, and they didn't want to be uh, subject to these particular structures. But as a result, um, women's rowing scholarships, women's rowing facilities—I mean, it's—it's it, it's pretty amazing stuff. Yeah, but like the way I saw but it's an NCAA rule that they're only allowed once every four years.
1: Okay. Yeah,
2: so there's no NCAA women's American football, so there's no NCAA men's rowing. So it's kind of like women's rowing replaces that.
1: Yeah, that, no. Yeah. I was just wondering, like, why NCAA wouldn't permit, obviously, women's crews to like come in and get the trophies every year? Because I think I think it could be good for the sport. But then again, like, I'm—I don't know—half of or a quarter of the intricacies that go on in that system. So, that's, yeah, that's the, I'm N-C- asked.
0: the NCAA at the moment has uh, some fascinating litigation going on and a lot bigger fish to fry. So, check with me again in a decade, and we'll see where the NCAA is at.
1: And let uh, me just put that. I can't. I'm so then in terms of obviously
2: we're talking about America quite a lot but your mm-hmm. crew's from all over the world you're not just limited to, to America
0: I'm not just limited to America yeah. um, uh, America's obviously where I started and mm. where I still have a lot of contacts but uh, nope uh, I mean, even last year uh, we had fabulous crews from Australia we had individual rowers from New Zealand we had the Dutch the Dutch are coming over more and more mm. every single year it's great Um and Germany. Where else? I mean, we get we get the odd person from, you know, various countries.
1: Mm, yeah, P- but, yeah, Poland started to turn up a little Poland bit. Starting to turn up.
0: Canada again, more and more from Canada. Yeah,
1: yeah. I was going so, to ask about the Spanish-speaking world because we don't really see crews from like Mexico. We had
0: Spaniards last year. We, no, I've no. I have placed crews from Mexico, specifically from Mexico, and we had Spanish-speaking crews last year as
2: well. Oh, fantastic! So presumably the kind of the motivation for this is thinking from Henley Royal, the the history and, and the crowds are great, but as a rower, what you actually want from the event is the best. You want to race the best people. You want yeah. to have the highest standard and you want to, you know, um, sort of things like, for example, the Ladies Plate which just is a men's event, but it's called the Ladies Plate is Intermediate eight at Henley. You're going to get pretty much the fastest college boat from America. Mm-hmm. You're going to have the fastest boat from the UK and you'll probably have one of the fastest boats from Europe. So if you get to win that title, you kind of get to call yourself the fastest Club 8 in the world. And I think mm-hmm. that's the draw of that event. Presumably, so what you're taking on is to kind of do the same thing for, for women's Henley.
0: So, well, then we have been doing the same thing yeah. for women's yeah. Henley. Um, but again, it's all it's all the way through. So women's Henley in the last decade, and bear in mind, Henley Women's has only been around about 35 years. Mm-hmm. Um. But again, it's a record entry every single year. It's just growing, 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 growing. There are only three races on the boomed course in Henley. And they are Henley Women's, Henley Royal, I know and the Henley last Masters.
1: One. Oh, what about Henley TMV? There's booms. Henley Town and Visitors. I raced in that one, one year. We definitely had booms.
0: Yeah, but by then they're already taking the booms down. They're all—it's—it's already...
1: it's not the full boom course. Okay, it's not the, it's yeah. the full I, Sorry, I thought I was going to shine here with my <laughs> specialist expert knowledge and and embarrass me. I'm probably just going to cut this out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. But but yeah. So there's 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 only the three, and again, it's just getting more and more prestigious. So, um, I mean, I, I mean, a women, a women, a win at women's henry, it I mean, it's a big deal. Yeah, and it's increasing. Oh, a big absolutely. Deal. Um, And increasingly, as we have more and more crews from Women's Henley stay through and race the royal, it's a good precursor of what's to come and to check out the competition, but to also get the practice Mm. on those booms. Because if you're not used to them, and often, even if you are, it's, it's, I mean, they're tough things. You can put your blade over a buoy in the head of the Charles. You can put your blade over a buoy, you know, in the Olympics kind of thing. And it's not a penalty as long as you're not interfering with anybody else. Um, if you put your blade over a boom, you're not going to get it back before you smack into an upright and break, possibly break equipment and definitely stop. So you you want to get used to them and you want to get comfortable with them. There's plenty of room for two eights, a big space in the middle and a comfort cushion on either side when you're racing down the course. But it does not feel like it.
1: It feels so enclosing. It feels like there's space for a single. I've steered there in the course a couple of times. It's a who was it Rory? You called it the the, the wooden boxing ring? Yeah, I like that. Oh,
0: I like that. Rory yeah.
1: Copas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just to give the full credit. that yeah. like it. it's good. So yeah, so like we said, so
2: obviously twenty thirteen. There's not a lot. There wasn't a lot, and then so in the in the last ten years, how how much how many more crews or percentage wise have you managed to?
1: In terms of competitors, events, you know, publicity, spectators coming down to the event. Like, obviously, like, especially... like just in terms of, like, foreign crews. Oh, okay. In terms of foreign crews, yeah.
0: So, in terms of foreign crews, we have lots, lots, lots more. Um, And again, it's just, it jumps every single year. Yeah. So, I think, I, I mean, to put it into context for this year, I was approached by two crews before Head of the Charles, which is the third week of October, about finding housing for Henley next year. And um, we are recording this shortly the week before Christmas. I have placed over fifty thousand pounds worth of housing right here into Henley Um
1: impressive
0: it, and I mean, it's December <laughs> it's just de- well, because it's December. <laughs> yeah. it's December, um, and we'll do five or six times that wow, easily wow. by yeah, wow it was it was close to three hundred thousand last year, and that's literally just a straight up fund that goes into the pockets of people in Henley. Mm. So
2: Yeah, Yeah, that's the other thing to think about. Like it's Everybody wants to
0: be my best friend all the same. (laughs) Like hi, I have a spare room.
2: It's amazing for Henley. Like you said, for the people of Henley and amazing for Henley. Like not only do we have one incredible event, like there's a second one that's really kind of putting itself up there. Like you Mm. said on a yearly basis, just coming and coming and coming, the standards rising is seeing like the standard of of women's rowing in the uk like the boat race and all those kind of things over the last 10 years it's had like such a jump i think it's amazing for the sport like it's it makes henley it keeps henley at the epicenter of 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 rowing um and i think if you don't improve you know if you don't change things if you stand still you're going backwards yeah and henley royal is great for the history of it Mm -hmm. but also there's a lot of things that haven't changed so having, a, having something else is a, like as good as this.
1: And as far as I understand, women uh, has a bit more flexibility when it comes to uh, organizing it. You, you're not bound by like 200 year old rules of like men must wear this kind of tie or no? Or is it different?
0: Well, if you want to talk about dress, I mean, the only place we have a dress code is our chairman's enclosure at the Remnant Club. Um, so there's no racing kit in there. Um, everybody does it a little bit differently. And mm. certainly some of the parents will come over and they will organise. Um, and they will absolutely—they out-dress code Henley Royal any day of the week. Oh, yeah. Cornell came over one year. Those parents were... The mafia is not as organised as those... Love- <laughs> I, I, I say that with love. They were really, really nice. But, I mean, they not only had hats, they had matching red and white striped
1: hats. Oh, yeah. They, and they were beautiful. Did you say uh, brand colours for Rogia? <laughs> oh, red and white, yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: so, uh, Actually, Cornell... You and Cornell would go, go get on very well, sort of thing,
2: in terms of the product. We'll have to not fun. copy their blazer. We we're talking about maybe ma-
1: making a Rogue Blazer for, for Pete and I this year, but to find out who else has got red and red and white. No, nah, yeah. Well that's that's exactly what I'd expect from Cornell. Having seen the office and how Andy Bernard talks about it in, in very high spirits, I wouldn't expect anything less than that from Cornell. Yeah,
2: I mean that and that's the point, that you're making it into an event that's worth turning up to and putting all your gear on and actually like, you know, coming and doing doing it properly. Yeah, it's I mean,
1: now running over three days as well?
0: It's now running over three days mm. uh, and it's running over three full days. So I remember I remember when it was two days. Uh, I remember when it was one day. I remember actually coming from really? America and watching and it was one day and it wasn't even a desperately full day. But, you know, hey, it was here. Mm. Uh, and then it's been two days for a long time. We've been three days for about a decade now. Uh, a little less than a decade. and But when it first started, it was just some time trials Friday morning, and then there was no real racing. And now it is three full days, and, and, it, it, and it's just fabulous. It's just fabulous. We have increased. We had 2,146 competitors last year.
1: That's crews or athletes. That's athletes. Athletes, yeah. That's
0: athletes. So when you bear in mind that – so we had 2,146 over three days – Henley Royal um, had, I've written this down, I had to add it all up. No one seemed to, I asked around, no one actually seemed to know. Oh. So I went through the entries list and just did the math for each oh. event with each person. Uh, 4,148 competitors last year. Um, and a huge percentage of those won't have made it through qualifiers.
2: Oh, so that includes qualifiers? That includes qualifiers. Oh, that, that can be like, huh, that,
0: uh,
2: yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, for a thousand, could yeah 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 so you're running a uh more
1: of a program you, a, a, we have yeah. we have we have a we have, a,
0: we, have, a, we, have oh, we have more events yeah we have more events and we have more women's events
1: yeah and also that like, if you take into consideration the fact that henry royal runs over six days then if you halve that then you've got way more like races per day than henry royal will
0: we don't break for lunch we don't break for tea
2: yeah we're definitely we're gonna have a tent there this year we um last year we did a few events we didn't do with miss henley and i was we ended up being a bit annoyed really we went to Marlowe, which was just didn't not quite as good no offense to Marlowe.
1: we got a free spot so it was good
2: (laughs) yeah because they forgot about us um but yeah no i think that that was that's going to be one of our on our calendar for sure to come to and have a little tent and well if you if you need to know who to contact i'm happy to put you in touch with the right people yeah of course of course we'll speak to you about it but um yeah so i wanted to say now like give you just like a A good opportunity to to talk specifically about what you do and what people who need to speak to you should do if they want to come over to Henley.
0: So the first thing people that want to come over to Henley should do is just call me, email me, drop me a note, WhatsApp. I have often described myself as trying to be the most available person, the most contactable person in Henley and all this and just realise no question is too small, no question is too big, I'm. I'm not going to think you sound stupid. I'm not. I know how to foreign, right? I know how to be here, and I know how to be foreign. And I've either had to figure it out for myself, or figure it out for someone else, or you know, maybe sometimes there. Every year there's a couple of new questions, and they're always a fascinating challenge. And last year I (laughs) was. Last year's uh, most unique question Mm -hmm. was. If someone's flying over in a private jet, where is the nearest airport they can land?
2: But, but uh, the answer Oxford. is Northolt. Northolt. North. Oh yeah, no, quite close. Yes, yeah.
0: Oxford's too small because you need something that can fly transatlantic.
1: Okay. What about Benson?
0: That's military.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, well, yeah, that's is a good not... enough exception if I had any words, isn't it? Military. No. Mm.
2: No, you're not. You wouldn't be allowed in there. But wow, that's a uh, that's an impressive.
1: Yeah. Impressive that,
0: that, that was definitely the standout question of last year.
2: And now you you know.
0: And now I know. (laughs) And now I know. Um, And and, yeah, so if you can ask me that, you can ask me anything. Absolutely. And I've had, uh, and and everybody comes at it from a different vantage point, right? So uh, first time I talked to the head coach, former head coach of the University of Tulsa, he phoned me up and he's like, yep, so I just want to, you know, I'm bringing this many athletes and I just want to book this many hotel rooms for this day. And I was like, it's really not how it works, uh, but that's what you would do in America. Mm. That's what you would do in America, and of course, everybody's going to the same courses. You know the same hotels. You know how to do it. You know um, they'll have a preferential rate somewhere, and you know you're all staying at the local garden suites for these three days. Um, Henley is a town uh, that, apart from the month of of mid June to mid July, is a town of eleven thousand people right so picture 2,100 plus just athletes that's not coaches that's not parents that's not support 2,100 athletes in a town of 11,000 people turning up looking for somewhere to stay and then almost immediately replaced by 4,000
2: 4,100 double both those numbers
0: basically Um, and then that's before the fans and things hit town yeah right And where are they going to stay? And so the answer is they stay in the houses of people in Henley.
2: But that's such such a part of it, isn't it? It is. It's
0: the the part they love them, it's the part Mm. they can't understand and it's the part they most wind up loving. And occasionally there's, you know, every year there's an, I mean, you can't place that many people in that many houses and that many personalities and not have an issue here, there, everywhere. But the astounding thing is just how much it does work. Mm. And it works almost totally on trust. And so you have to get very good at judging crews and getting crews to set expectations and you setting expectations with the crews of, you can't jerk your numbers around, Mm. right? These people have taken you at your word, It's amazing. Most of these places, some of them take a deposit, but most of them don't. It's a handshake and introductory email. There is an amazing woman I place crews with. I've never met her. Absolutely never met her. She's got the house that's closest to the course of anybody else that I'm with. And literally, I phone her up and say, I have this crew for you this year. And she says, okay and just waits for the email and then sorts out the paperwork and then and off they go
2: you might know who I used to we used to say at school with an amazing woman in Stoke Row who we called Mrs Fotherby do you know She probably I'm afraid I don't. she's probably not doing it anymore because we get you know I'm an old fart as well now <laughs> so we're going back we're going back a while but yeah it was just it was so not yeah it was really it became like the sort of authentic mm. experience to come down and and then also, you know, like the boat tents and the showers and all those things that you miss out on when you're a Leander athlete. But those yeah. kind of things make the regatta so different from, from any other one you attend.
1: A hundred percent. And then even if you wanted to go the traditional route of trying to find a hotel like you would in other countries or at other events, I like I did a little bit of this with the Polish rowing team this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Henry, I was trying to help them sort out some last-minute accommodation. And like, you're looking at Marlow, you're looking at Maidenhead, you're looking Reading. at Reading was like with Henley traffic on Henley Week. Yeah, they they managed to find somewhere in Henley, so that was all right in the end. You want to be in it. You want to be walking
2: down to to the river through the town. Oh, seeing yeah. the flags and the people, and you know, even if you're if if you've got if you're still in it on Finals Day, walking past a few drunk people right. <laughs> on the street from Saturday night, mm. you're walking down to your finals. Like all those things, this is what make it like just totally different from any other event.
0: But equally, if you haven't been. These are the things they don't know. Yeah. They don't know and they don't appreciate. And it's also terribly British. It's so yeah. terribly British. And nothing's called what the Americans call it. And to be honest, but they also don't realize that nothing's called what the rest of the British call it.
1: Yeah. Go on. Um, but give us an example, Anne, please.
0: Name <laughs> any event at Henley Royal.
1: Oh, yeah. Diamond Skulls.
0: Okay. Okay. Di- Or just the diamonds,
1: the The diamonds, diamonds.
2: the ladies' plate.
0: It's the it's the impression. It's the full British. I've often said the key to British class is if you know, you know.
2: Yeah. And
0: Henley is an epitome of that. Yeah. Right. If now you and I know, I've had to study. I've had to study this like it was some kind of a test, right? But but you can walk through and have an entire conversation about Henley Royal and not have even people who understand rowing. If they're not from Henley, if they're not racing here, know what you're talking about. It's like, so you have the ladies, the Queen Mother, the Prince Philip, the Prince Edward, the Island, the Remnant. There is no clue in any of those event names as to what it actually is.
1: That is so true. I don't even know half of these events. And like you could look at eavesdrop and someone's talking about, you know, oh, and the stewards, uh, you know. They're down at the enclosures or talking at the progress board and then the rate of striking or something you know just, like you, you said even if you know rowing you can get lost in the henley talk yeah.
0: you can uh, and uh, and that's the thing and then it gets terrifying because what are we doing what are we signing up for what you know what is Stewarts, right so and
1: yeah are Stuart's. we talking about stewards the competition or are we talking about the stewards enclosure we're we talking about the Stewards people who themselves. walk around, yeah, yeah, yeah. even Rose don't get it themselves. right because Why?
2: Rose will say, "Oh, are you a, are you a steward? Can I get some tickets off you?" No, he's not. You're not the stewards of <laughs> the actual people running the event. You are mm-hmm. a member of the stewards, mm-hmm. so we don't even get it right. Yes, yeah. but you could also be racing stewards. <laughs> yeah,
0: you could be racing in
2: the stewards. Yeah, yeah. You could be a
0: steward. You could be a member of stewards. <laughs> yeah. You could. I mean. Oh my god! It's insane. Yeah, <laughs> <But> <laughs> never you, even realized. But, again, it, but if you're used to it, if you're used to it, then well of course it all makes great sense yeah. and if you're not used to it then oh my god and then on top of that we're going to throw in some dress codes
2: yeah
0: right which are not where Americans shine yeah. and <laughs> it's not what we do it's just, just yeah. not what we yeah, do I Don't love think, things yeah right? the
1: dress has to be below the knee but there's basically no rule for the upper body as right. well
0: <laughs> correct because they never it never occurred to anybody that you would show your shoulders in public
1: hmm
2: Good point. Yeah, it's old, old-fashioned rules. You were going to say something. Um, yeah, no, just that, really. I guess that's it. So, like, a big part of your job is just... Translation. It's just breaking Yeah, breaking through the jargon. and
0: Well, and a little a little hand-holding. A little yeah. a little hand-holding and just don't be afraid to ask. And then, God bless them, I get people, and they'll ask the questions, which is great, because whatever question you're going to ask me is going to come in helpful to someone else. I mean, I'm not 100% certain when the private plane thing's going to come up again, but when it does... <laughs> when it does i have the answer and now so do all of you it's fine mm-hmm. but but we'll, but we'll get there right we can get you through whatever you need um even if you've never been even if you do whatever and i i'm i'm not native to here i've moved here i love it here and and i want to show off my little town at its absolute finest in the sport that i love and sure. i want you to have a great time and come back every four years.
2: Yeah, that's the other great thing about rowing. It's, you don't, and I sort of said, there's no one who just casually rows for a laugh. Like it's, you are or you aren't a rower. And it's because you've, we all fall in love with this sport and you just want to share it and you want other people to enjoy all the good bits of it. So that's like, yeah, another bit of it. I also think as well, like with Henley, like how like ridiculously lucky we are that the most famous, biggest, most international, oldest regatta in the world happens in our country. We just drive down the road and turn up with our trailer and everyone else who wants to enter this event has to fly transatlantic
1: or people coming from australia
0: transatlantic if you're lucky yeah,
1: yeah but yeah. it is worth it that trip that you make it's so worth it it's but, like a world of its own like i remember first time uh the guy who actually got me into rowing in the first place my neighbor he rode in the polish olympic team in uh, london and rio me as well didn't he <laughs> we're gonna talk about that at some point but he came to henley in 2013 and he said it honestly beat the home games in London. Like it was better than than the London games, the atmosphere and everything. I was like, right, well, I guess I know what I'm doing with my rowing career. But yeah, no, it's it's, it's so worth making the trip, isn't it? Like,
0: I mean, I've, I mean, I've heard that from multiple Olympians mm. actually. Because the thing about the Olympics is, um, in theory, I mean, you've got a decent idea who's going to wind up on the podium,
2: mm.
0: right? There's always a wild card, and racing is racing. Nothing is ever predestined or predetermined but you've got it yeah. you've got a decent idea
2: yeah i mean There's, they all will have raced 10 weeks ago in Cern, so you've you've got a good shout yeah
0: yeah um but every henley race is a story yeah every henley race is a story and i mean we've all we've i've seen some of the most exciting racing and again not just at women's henley but i mean so uh other things i do uh head of the charles henley women's or you know can't sit still, don't actually want to talk to anybody. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I do commentary from the back of the boat and talk mostly to myself. And um, I mean, I've had swimmers. I've had a swimmer across the Henley women's course in the middle of a race. You've had blade clashes. You've had everything. It's, uh, anything can happen.
1: But we've had an interesting theory about how to determine who's more likely to win in the Henley race. Is the crew that is more tanned at that particular time. Because <laughs> it proves that... So you
0: were saying lack of sunblock is the key determinant?
2: No, no, it's Tom was having it. <laughs> yeah, on the basis that the, the most tanned crew probably had a great sunny training camp. Mm-hmm. They, if they've come off... It's, this only really works for British crews, I guess. Because if you're in America, you're going to be tanned anyway. If you're going to be out, out oh, on the water all the time. Possibly. But yeah.
0: If <laughs> yeah, it's in July. In J- well, British. British
1: uh, I really, uh, we need to put it to a test. Like, I'm actually genuinely going like, to run down some machine learning statistics on, like, if you are more tanned, does it make you more likely to win Henley? <laughs> but yeah, then I guess it just depends on how much sunblock you use. Correct, yeah. <laughs> um, how do you think the event has, or like, how have you seen the event change in the 10 years that you've been looking after Like, obviously, it's grown almost double in size mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the number of competitors is more widely spoken about. I think it has coverage now as well uh, that it didn't before. So Um, it's definitely like gained coverage, like people are actually making out the trips to go and race at Henley Women's, mm -hmm. like obviously, I don't know, did you add many more events or how How is that shaped? We
0: haven't added a particular number of events. I mean, the rules and eligibility changes every year. And then similar to Henley Royal, there is, well, actually not similar to Henley Royal. You can double up in events at Henley Royal you can't double up at henley women's why is that uh, we only have three days of racing and if you are in two different events though we, we don't have the ability to just shift the cruise around and move this race to that race because you might be in this four mm-hmm. and then rowing the single or some
1: we just we don't but that puts more weight on the win that you do get from that one event that you haven't so i also mm-hmm. do also like that in a way yeah
0: i it is what it, you can't double up at head of the Charles. You can't double up at Henley Women's. You can double up at Henley Royal, and people do, but um, I don't. I don't know have many people done it successfully
2: some people think... do there are limitations obviously you can't be in different um standards of events Correct. um and that you do you are sort but
0: of they've been successful yeah yeah
1: sense. so we've uh, we've had two people on the podcast uh we've had Susie Deer, mm-hmm. uh who's won the pair and then the eight and we had matt aldrich who's won the four and the eight but in the, in the same, same year in the same, yes, year, same yes, year yes okay.
2: but it's very okay. rare it's generally very rare um you know it can it can like any event takes a bit of luck and you also are sort of at the at the mercy of the of the um timetable obviously they will do what they can but you might you may or may not get some close races you know you can't always have your races put at either, either side of the day so it has been done but
1: certainly rare i would mm. say it's very right. rare so you can't so what else has changed would you say
0: i mean just the sheer numbers so the sheer number of spectators mm along the bank has been a phenomenal increase again number of athletes the parents that are coming down the crews that are doing the business that we've had in terms of who wants to you know make sure they're represented at Henley Women's Regatta and we've again we've always had a chairman's enclosure but now with it being at the finish line at Remedem Club we have a much better finish experience Mm. Uh, and it I think just every single aspect of it has just stepped up and it's just upped its game and as you say we've got um, we don't have 200 years of history to draw upon but it also means that we're making 200 years of history right now
1: exactly that's not necessarily a disadvantage that's what i was trying to say yeah yeah yeah, definitely um
0: i'd also also like to i'd also like to deal with two questions yeah well one more of a supposition and one question that i'm always 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 asked please so the supposition is that henley women's and henley royal must absolutely hate each other
2: because Strange. really people think that
0: people did for certainly for a long time i think a lot of people do because think why was henley women's created
2: well okay yeah 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 in the past so like the official and then for a while as well even when women's henley was started they had mm-hmm. to finish at Remenham because women weren't allowed to Road passing closures, yeah. Is that a rule? Is, am I uh,
0: right? It's not that they're allowed to not. row. It's because they're still building the course, right? They've got to have the safety measures in time. It's only two weeks before. If there's flooding, if there's late dates, if there's anything. So like, like that. right now, so, but
2: but initially, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so I've like heard it, that urban you legend. Can say as well. if they're wrong, but um, the reason why Henley's women stopped at 1500 was because that the rule was that women weren't allowed to row through the Henley, Henley Royal Finish Line.
0: Um, I've heard various things over the Maybe years, that's and just that. Like a, uh both surprises me and wouldn't surprise me at all but i i can neither confirm nor deny i I simply
1: don't know but there's so many rumors that run around that could just be a i think that someone said i think that could be an urban legend but like now you're putting it out there saying that the course is still being built that actually makes way more sense for safety yeah yeah
0: Yeah. i mean it's just it's that safety buffer yeah it's that absolute safety buffer because you know effectively we're on their course yeah right so they've got to have it finished. They've got to have it ready for their event.
1: But then that yes. makes it like 650 meters shorter of an event as well, which means like uh, we've heard from some people like,
0: 612, 612, 600 12,
1: there short. you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've heard, yeah, I've heard that just the event just runs out on you really quickly. You think like, oh, okay, I've got says 500 in a bit. Like, uh, oh,
0: it's still right, against my, the street. My, my, my new shiny response is how long is the course in Los Angeles? Ah, The exact same distance as the any women's regatta.
1: Um yeah, you've th- started your PR campaign ten years before everyone else. I love that. You've got it's still against the stream, so it's not
2: mm-hmm. like a fifteen hundred and a flat lake. Yeah. Um but yeah, so going back to what you said, so I guess I guess yeah, the perception was that, that Henley Women's Regatta had a had a bee in their bonnet about about right. Henley Royal. Uh, I can see that opinion.
0: And but, there also there was also frequently an opinion that Henley Royal had a bee in their bonnet about Henley Women's. Right. Right? So depending on which side you were on, everybody seemed to be very very angry with each other when in fact the reality i don't know where it started maybe it did start like that that was before my time Uh but surely the reality now and has been ever since i've been involved um has been it's been actually quite a cooperative relationship
2: Mm. well yeah why would you not work together yeah it makes sense
0: yeah but but yeah it is actually very cooperative that's good Um, and then the other and the question that i am asked multiple times a year um, especially every time they announce, you know, women are allowed at Henley Royal, is, well, when were they allowed men into Henley Women's? To which the answer is, we always have. You've been able to have male coxswains for a very, very, very long time, and they're there, and we're happy to have them.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Do your research before you try and make a dig at someone. That's good. it must, it must be quite nice to, to be able to answer that when someone does try and have a, have a dig.
0: I I am the person that always makes a point of posting International Men's Day because every year on International Women's Day, men ask me when it is. And so I make a point of reminding them because you know what? They need a woman to remind them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, So International Women's Day is on the 8th of March. Correct me if I'm wrong, uh, which I have a feeling you will. Uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) International
1: Men's Day is on the 10th of March. Is that right?
0: The 22nd of November.
1: Okay, that's that, so the, that so that's a di- completely different International Men's Day than the one that I know. I think yeah, we might Poland, have an inter- Poland
2: does... Well, Europe does quite a few different. Yeah, days, like so Mother's Day and Father's Day is different. Yeah,
1: right? Mother's yeah. Day and Father's Day is different, but the one that I've grown up with was the tenth of March, and then the day of the boys is on the thirtieth of September. So
0: yeah. Yeah, I, d- I don't know anything about International Boys' Day or International Girls' Day. <laughs> I just. You
2: know. What are some of the other common common things then that you get? I guess common questions, concerns, worries, all those sorts of things.
0: Uh, oh, uh, blazers! I get asked a lot of questions about blazers.
1: Mm-hmm. Go
0: on. Um, well, so so Henley Women's does not require blazers. We we, we don't require them at all.
1: We have dresses. We're no, not club. We, so we don't, there's we no don't dress require code.
0: dresses. There's no uh, um, again. There's no racing. There's no racing kit allowed in our chairman's enclosure. Other than that, there's no dress code. Right, but blazers are are not required. But a lot, but a lot of crews like to have mm. them. You know, especially They're fantastic. I'm, I'm I'm a big fan. I have two, uh, and I have my Henley Women's blazer, and I have my Cambridge Boat Club Massachusetts blazer, and mm. um, and which is very unique because they didn't used to have them, and then they decided to get them and went with a completely different pattern. But hey, I'm very special. They um, and. <laughs> um, but because, because men will need them for the Royal, because they want them for prize giving, because they want them to look like a team, because it's this weird, absolutely not essential or integral part of the sport that's become a very integral and essential part of the sport. And
2: I think a big reason for that is how expensive they are. If you're going th- to spend three to five hundred pounds in your blazer, mm-hmm. you're going to get it out at least once a year.
0: Yes. Well... But again, but you, but from but for American regattas, you don't need them.
1: No,
2: right? No. You
0: wouldn't wear them. You wouldn't wear them to prize givings. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't. Um, you know, I mean, if you're there, the head of the Charles, and all kinds, of weather, you're not going to go home, dress up and put on your blazer. You're going to head over to the tent in your in your thermals and yeah, and and get your medal. Kind oh, of
1: a regatta robe from regia.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but you but you've got to um, but yeah. So I get asked a lot of questions about blazers and and. What are the rules about blazers? There aren't any. Um, who do I want to make my blazer? Here are several suppliers. Here are some that I would recommend. And I never not recommend people, but I may not include them on my list of recommended.
2: Yeah. And
0: um, uh, if asked my opinion, I usually give it. Uh, I try to be diplomatic. Uh, but they. Um, but I mean, just all sorts of, you know. But if we win, do we have to have a blazer? Yeah. No. You know, well, what, what do we wear if we win? I'm like, any anything you want. You know, they've usually by that point, shower changed. they're in a nice dress or something. But I mean, people will accept it in their racing kit if they yeah. want to. Yeah, It's fine. You know, we're, it's 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 that little bit easier. Yeah. It's that little bit easier. And again, the blazers for Henley Royal are for if you want to be in the steward's enclosure on that side of the dress code. Yeah. Right? So women can now wear trousers, but women have to wear blazers. If you, yeah. wear, if you wear trousers, you have to wear a blazer.
1: That makes sense. Seems fair enough, yeah. Yeah.
0: I I actually really like... I think it's a very elegant solution to if women want to wear trousers or the transgender, binary, non-binary, all that sort of thing. Here are two dress codes. Don't care which one you pick. Pick one. There you
1: go. So does that include the tie? Because I've been rejected from Stewart's enclosure for like having one button undone from my shirt and my tie not being on properly. Well, surely they just tell you to do it. Yeah, they they did, right after they've asked me out. But like, so if they... So if women decide to wear blazers and trousers, do they also have to have a club tie?
0: So I do not work for Henry Royal Regatta. Yeah, I, was I say. am not associated with Henry Royal Regatta or the dress code.
1: No, you and you said very clearly a minute ago that ask for your opinion, you will give one.
0: Ask for my opinion, mm-hmm. I will give one, but, <laughs> but I am unable to give an opinion as to whether women have to wear ties under the dress code.
1: Uh, no, okay, so, sorry. Yeah, I was Find just down. I was just asking in, uh, from your personal experience, but. Uh, no, don't
0: know. My personal experience is I love skirts in the summer and I have yet to wear, I, I, I don't wear trousers to Henley Royal because I don't want to wear um, a, a wool blazer when it's 80 degrees outside. So <sighs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> some <of> them, yeah, <laughs>
2: Some of them blazers are pretty heavy duty, aren't they? You know, yeah. and,
0: you know, I mean, I love the British machismo of they'll make a ruling that says gentlemen may, re- may remove their blazers and then they won't do it.
2: Just, yeah.
0: A, a real man would not remove his blazer. It's like the Dutch swimming out to the boats, and they'll be completely naked, but a gentleman never removes his tie, so they won't get their ties on.
1: <laughs> that's good. Some rules, some rules you don't break.
2: Some
0: rules you don't break. <laughs> they good. may say you can take off the blazer, but don't you dare.
1: Uh, that's good. Well, the, the very t- old someone
2: collapses in yeah. 30-something degrees. Oh, no,
0: battle, battle, battle collapse is fine. That's, that's okay. <laughs> that meets the macho standard
2: oh i don't know um i feel like we're getting a bit past some of those things these days which is a nice thing Uh, possibly i would i personally i would happen to agree with you but but i'm not sure that i'm not sure i think we've sort of worked out that it's not always better for you to collapse in the heat than it is to just take your blazer off but you know yeah it's difficult it's difficult when you especially as a as a young obviously i'm a bit older now but as a young lad ever thinks testosterone is a testosterone fueled competition and it's it's hard to to not be trying
1: to one up everyone personally I again was,
0: henley women's very oh, little testosterone field competition
1: <laughs>
0: isn't it fabulous
1: that's true i was gonna say like it's not just about like just being a macho but sometimes I, I i would like to do what i call committing to an outfit if i've committed to like wearing this hat or wearing these sunglasses or that blazer I'm just going to have to live with my decision. No, this, is a, this is a joke. <laughs> I think it's a lot.
2: Uh, I I mean,
0: it's always nice to meet a man who's not afraid of commitment, but <laughs> sometimes you need to query what you've committed to.
1: I'm, I'm yet to figure that out. I but I, appreci- I appreciate it.
2: <laughs> in general, don't spend much time in stewards at all anyway. I find much prefer it down the bank. I think it's much more fun, like sort of down at halfway, feet, feet in the water, sat on the bank, bring a packed lunch. And bring your own booze, so you don't have to pay nine pound for a
1: pint of pim. Yeah, that's uh, generally how I try and do it.
0: It's horses for courses. There's definitely something for everybody.
1: Yeah, yeah. I like to not dress up for Henley sometimes and just like go incognito, full sunglasses, hat, shorts, t shirt, and just pretend I'm walking for a walk down the river. And like, oh, there's this thing happening. Oh, I was just going out for for a walk in my town. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but then, equi- but equally, let's let's. Let's get
2: it back to yes.
1: Let's
0: get back to things I need to think about. So yeah, so I so I get randomly asked about blazers, uh, yeah. almost that can often be the second or third question. Yeah, uh, and then uh, and then it's like they get to the actual practice. so first is housing, uh, second is blazers, and then we get to like oh yeah boats. I need to get boats. How do I get boats? How do I get to and from the airport? Which airport do I want to fly into if I don't have a private jet? Uh, <laughs> Um, you know, and, and also the little practicalities, you know, am I going to need a van to drive around, to drive the team around in? Am I going to, how are we going to eat? What are we going to do? How do we, you know, how do you have, make sure that the team eats every single day? And some will book into a local pub that will work with them in advance and make sure that there's like a two option set mm-hmm. course dinner and a different one every single night. So our local pubs can be really good for that. And, parents you know can also be a thing uh the coaches often don't want to deal with it but you know some and again some of the parents can be amazing uh one set of parents my first year nearly drove me to quit at midnight the day before racing but we we got it sorted um you know it takes all types it takes all types
2: and that's that's all you all those questions that's what you're here for yes Yep.
0: and i know the answer to almost none of them but (laughs) but but And I don't. I really don't. But I know somebody who does. And that's that's the thing I I often say, and I fully mean it. uh, I don't actually do much work, but my Rolodex does a lot, a lot of heavy lifting. And I have, you know, decent relationships with some of the boat manufacturers. I have decent relationships with universities um, and other, other places in town that, you know, that may be able to, not in town, but in the country that may be able to lends you the kind of boat that you think so a lot of the oxford colleges for example uh-huh. oxford and cambridge colleges mm-hmm. actually have pretty good equipment yep um but won't be racing at henley women's yep but they'd love to make a few hundred quid by hiring it out for henley women's so you know so there's often very good options there and oxford and cambridge themselves uh, if they come they'll send one boat but they've got fleets of boats so those can be really good options uh we have great relationships with concept two who come down and have a whole stand um you know so so they can sort out wars and people forget like i'm you know so i'm always reminding them like if you rent a boat check whether or not wars come with it because we've definitely had that crisis at the last minute
2: uh, i mean that's a really good point just to note like all those places that you've you know for people being like oh well we could come to henry but i'm gonna get given some crappy old boat or you know some 15 like no like There's a lot of equipment available
0: there's a lot of good there's a lot of really good standard oh yeah equipment available um and there's a lot of there's a lot of reciprocity that nobody's thinking about quite Mm yet sort of thing so so radcliffe came over this year uh final year of their legendary coach liz o'leary uh along with you know some wonderful people underneath her as well uh lightweights came over with sarah and they have one administrator who helps coordinate everything, and she did an amazing job. Mir- Miriam and I have been Miriam and I have known each other for a very long time, and not, strangely enough, not through Harvard. And, you know, and you know, boats were rented. They're staying at Leander. They're doing this. They're doing that. How do we get in here? Where are we rowing from? Boom, 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 and, and on, and then. They went back home and there's a new coach, there's a new everything, and Miriam turned around as we ran into Head of the Charles and says, okay, we wrote a lot of checks this summer and now they're going to start getting cashed because people need boats. Mm-hmm. You know, people that lent us boats for Henley now are going to need boats and a place to row at for Head of the Charles and oars and this and how do we do that? So there's lots of reciprocity for lots of different things and great relations and there's you know fabulous relations increasingly coaches are coming over and it's a perk for their crews we think you're good enough to compete on this stage Mm. Uh, it's a perk for crews who may have may have never had the chance to travel internationally and it's a it's a heck of a recruiting thing Mm. right GB and European athletes are getting recruited all over the place to go on full scholarships I mean literally I know college coaches right now and multiple college coaches is Coaches contact me every year going, we want to recruit. We're going here, here, and here. Where else do we need to go? Who am I missing? Who do I need to watch? I'm asked my opinion and I give it.
2: Yeah, that's a much, that's recruiting has been huge again in the last 10 years. Like it's yep. and, massively. and it's
0: really grown. And so again, coaches that compete at Henley Women's are turning up to Henley Women's in the years they're not competing to see who's doing well. Mm which again raises, raises the prestige of the event. Absolutely. Raises the prestige of that as it's going. Um, but then it's a perk for them to want to come back and show off, right? This is how good Harvard is this year. This is how good Penn is this year. This is, you know, all these things going on. It's a huge, it's, it's a big deal.
2: I think, it's and the, the other way around with the head of the Charles, it seems, it feels to me like a lot more British crews are going out there.
0: I they know, are. Really.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like,
0: so I deal with international crews that go to the head of the Charles. Yeah. Because I know how to foreign there as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. What, what were you, when you were involved with Heather than Trials, what were you doing there? Similar sort of role?
0: Oh, uh, What, when I started or now? Or, you've or what? have been
2: working with them for a long Are you still working with them now? Yes. Yeah?
0: Yes. We have my, uh, we'll leave it there. <laughs> No, that's my that's my head of the Charles windbreaker of my race operations windbreaker. Oh, cool!
2: I didn't realize you still were doing that as well. So, still, what's still. your job with them as well now?
0: So, uh, at the moment, I, I so I usually almost always have two roles with them. Mm. So, my race operations role uh, is dealing with the overseas internationals and finding them housing, uh, not for pay. People volunteer bedrooms, so on and so forth. Maybe. And so we do that uh, for select individuals. So, not every international crew that comes over. Uh, for select individuals and um, and organizations so for example we have a great relationship with a podcast called Rowing in Colour that you should absolutely check out
2: oh, I will, I'll I write that down yeah
0: absolutely check out um, it's really good and so they bring boats over and it's you know organized uh, you, there, there's various constraints and sort around organizing it and timing and things like that and so we find one of the things we do is we find places for them to stay Um so there's a lot of that going on and just answering various questions and being helpful around that. Uh, and then this year I also did commentary, but in previous year I umpired for a number of years. I've been doing commentary for about three years. I've umpired for a number of years. Before umpiring, I uh, I ran docs. So I was getting everybody launched off the side of launching, landing off sides of one dock at the same time.
1: Go go go, team! Which is more difficult than people would think. You'd okay. think that crews with coxes would know how to land. Sometimes,
0: well, it's not just that, but it's one of those. So we had very narrow docks, and this is when they used to launch and land crews. Cruise, cruise down at Magazine Beach, which they don't do anymore, and um, and so you could have so you would have both sides going, and you could have one launching off this side and one landing on the other side at the same time, depending on what was going on. And it was, you know, it, it was amazing. And you really had to work as a team and you re- and you realized sort of the rowing importance of like, yeah, you know, I would kind of cue somebody up. Like right? mm. we had somebody there to literally call the bow catcher. And, you know, and I would say the same words every time to like bring her into focus, like, now's here's what we're gonna do. And it just worked really well. Um, and then one year, and by complete coincidence. It was uh, the first year we were allowed to give unsportsmanlike conduct penalties because we had too many people abusing volunteers. Um, so, it, well, I mean, it wasn't just us, but just they had nobody thought we were going to use it. Um, and I wound up giving the first ever unsportsmanlike conduct penalty for behavior on the dock.
2: Pub quiz uh, question. Who <laughs> awarded the first of <laughs> the, the child's Who um, was it awarded to? God, oh, that would be the question. Oh, it's going to... Is I'm not going to guess because I'll feel bad if I get it wrong. Are we allowed to ask? I did not? Hopefully not Leander.
0: No. It was Leander. <laughs> <laughs> not Leander. Not Leander. No, it was Penn AC in the Championship 8s and their coxswain uh, really wouldn't listen to directions. Um, and, you know, and he was warned twice. And, and I I've you know, warned twice. You can be penalized for this. And he stared straight into my navel and said, you don't have the authority. And I said, I have a radio to the tower and a megaphone. And most importantly, I'm telling you I have the authority. What is your bound? It's right there. You can find it yourself. They really didn't think it was going to happen. Wow. They, I've got Ted Nash like screaming at me from the shore that I'm not allowing him on the, on the dock. One person who's not a member of the boat is allowed on the dock. I don't actually care who they are. They can collect shoes. They can give motivational speeches. They can recite Handel's oratorio. I don't care. But you get one. Then you can have one come off and another come off. I don't care. You get one. You don't get two. So yeah. And I. And here's the amazing thing. I had no idea who these guys were. Absolutely no idea who Penace was. Definitely no idea who Ted Nash was. None of this sort of thing. They go off. I then get the... Uh, then as the event ends, I get the feedback from my team that they'd been this obnoxious mm all the way down. In the end, that report was six pages long. Wow. Six. I'd never written an umpire's report before. I didn't know what I needed to do, but I am a trained lawyer. And by that point had two law degrees. I hadn't yet started my third. It was it, This is my chance to detail what happened, and I did. It was six pages long, and then we had to add a page when they landed, and I told the girl, watch that bow ball, and three seats swiveled round, and started abusing her and I greeted them heartily hello hello! you have been awarded a one-minute penalty for your conduct when you're la- And if you think I'm going to hesitate to give you a second one you'll be very mistaken and they couldn't easy. have been nicer they generally couldn't have been nicer I mean like <laughs> like it wasn't an insincere. oh I'm very sorry it was I mean you know their mama's brought them up right they had them they had the manners they had just been conditioned not to use them
2: and uh, that's yeah. fun that I I um 3c like you said Tom. i did yeah oh, no, C, 3C. No, 3c 3c <laughs> i can say that because i've spent time there yeah. <laughs> one we've of you we've all met a 3c yeah. we've
0: all uh, met a 3c C. You I can uh, spot
2: them a mile away <laughs> i was involved with the um home countries regatta home international regatta it's now called in ireland but the welsh team this year and it's the first time i've done some coaching stuff before but it's the first time i've sort of been involved in the organization of a team at an event um we had Des Atkins from Nottingham uh, did an amazing job doing that. But just being involved in that and did, being on the other side and seeing how all that goes, seeing how difficult it is, how much how much work it takes, how much... You know, you think you get up early when you're over. <laughs> no, yeah. Sorry. The coach is up before you. You know, we are always up before them. You're the one making sure they've got the breakfast. You're, you're doing everything. And um, a sort of
0: it, call- it's, it's like... So I never know if being a volunteer has made me a better mother has made me a better lawyer but they all dovetail right have you signed your NDA did you pee before we left have you eaten enough (laughs) B vitamins
2: today (laughs) yeah right getting getting ahead of it um but I sort of caught myself I was like geez this is this is a really difficult event and how how did I not realize as a rower how did I not see this I've not realize? and I guess because what it is is this the people who are organizing we all used to do what the rowers do and we've taken that that attitude of being the best of what we can and being the best at organising means allowing the rowers to just focus on the row and not even letting them see all this other crap that's going behind these arguments and what's happening with this and behind all that So, so I'm going to so, correct you on one thing Yeah,
0: Not everybody who volunteers in rowing events has been a rower. Not necessarily no. a, a, a higher percentage yeah. than you think yeah, A higher no, percentage than you think
2: Definitely, uh, but I still think that they know that to get the best performance out of the rowers, their your job is to take everything else off off what they're yes. doing so I think but they
0: often don't know what that is but this is my <laughs> yeah. job this is my <laughs> job and they may not understand the importance yeah. in the big picture yeah. but this is their job and they're going to do it
2: there's certainly a learning curve yeah but um so yeah i think on the one hand you sort of oh, i wish some rowers would have a little bit more appreciation for the mm-hmm. people running this thing but then i also sort of realize but i kind of understand why maybe they don't have appreciation because they don't know what they should be appreciated for because everyone else is running around making sure that they don't know Mm. of all that other stuff so I guess it's a double-edged sword but yeah I mean for me it's always been the one with coxes. you know people shouting at coxes like do you realize this person's like out here in the cold not getting warmed up not getting a physical Mm. session in here to steer your boat so you can have a session like shut up and let them do it. Um, but it goes for like all volunteers they have the
1: steering wheel but they don't have the access to the pedals or the gas or the speed or gears or acceleration or anything just a voice controlled car that they have no control over
2: but
0: i mean i'm here for coxswains some of my absolute closest friends and worst photography companions are coxswains and (laughs) um and i've learned more about racing in my single from coxswains than i have from a lot of other people who raise singles kind of thing in terms of steering or motivation or strategy or something like that. I've I've learned so much from coxswains. But just like anybody else, just like anything else, right? There's amazing people at the high, well, at any level, Mm. right? There's amazing people at the high level. There's amazing people at the low level, right? Um, And there's always somebody who is, what's the thing about a turtle on top of a fence post? You have no idea how he got there.
2: Uh, okay. yeah i know what you mean yeah yeah <laughs> yeah
0: so you know and
2: yeah, uh, i mean with, with the dovetailing thing you said you know it's all it does all kind of mix together i love what we spoke to a coach ben welburn who's now a sort of gb development coach up in nottingham and he said good people make good athletes hmm. he said if you want a good athlete you can start with someone who's polite and looks after their equipment and looks after the people around them and all those things are all a part of being a great athlete if you're going to be you know the 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 if you were going to write down what a great athlete had Mm -hmm. all these things would also be a lot of stuff which crosses over as just being a good person
0: well then again and and I think that's a really great lesson I think it's a great great lesson because again if you're looking out for people around you you're going to learn from those people because none of us have all the answers Mm. right but you can learn so much from other people and again let's go back to shy persons volunteering right you can you get it gives you the you know, if, if you're doing it like myself, because you're scared to talk to people, you get the chance to s- be there in the room where it happens and watch how these people interact with each other, watch what's going to happen. See, you know, this person's going to have this particular cause and this person's going to have this particular cause and can it be resolved? Can it not? Um, can it be resolved if we go in this way? What if we go in this way sort of thing? Mm. It's, um, it's fascinating dynamics. It's, fascinating politics but it's it can be it it absolutely has its challenges there's, def,
1: there's definitely one thing that we can say about volunteers is that if one day overnight they disappeared the sport would be in big shambles like and yeah. in big trouble like- Well,
0: but that you need to be aware there are definite regattas where that's almost happening so for example putting together masters championships here in Britain this year was extremely challenging for a lot of people because last year the volunteers were not treated well Uh, and they were not treated well by the competitors yeah and so a lot of them didn't come back and then it was a real challenge to get them come back and and again you know we're not even racing we're not racing for medals we're not racing for prestige i you know i get a couple of t-shirts a year from grateful crews and i love them i wear them all the time all the time but and, um, you know, for the amount of hours and hours and hours that I put into it, um, I mean, it's astounding. And and I think the other thing, and I, mind you, being a lawyer, this stuff to everybody loves to tell me what the law is. Or sorry, <laughs> a set percentage of people love to inform me what the law is and why it's ridiculous. Non-smile and wave, boys, smile and wave. And... um and as a volunteer, there's a definite set of percentage of people who want to tell you how, to, how you should do your job and how you should, how you should make it better. Mm-hmm. So this year, for example, and we had a crew and they changed their accommodation requirements. GB crew changed their accommodation requirements many, many times, uh, canceled three different houses because their numbers changed. They didn't like this. They didn't like that. Then queried the price of the houses they did have, et cetera, et cetera. Um, At the last minute, they then added, I think, one or two athletes into a house. Like, it was already going to be a tight fit, and they added one or two. They asked the landlord. The landlord said, the host said yes. Uh, Fine. Didn't hear anything from them all weekend. That was great. Got there. Um, Apparently, it didn't go well. Um, And again, if there's a... Like, I, I tell every call me. Call me. And they knew they could call me because they've already contacted me how many times to schedule, rearrange this, that, or the other. Um, didn't say anything to me, admitted they said nothing to the host, it didn't go well, Uh, and then I got messages on the Monday saying that they'd decided that it hadn't gone well and it was only worth half the price they'd been quoted and that's all they were going to pay. Um, That was their own issue. And again, it's an issue between them, that's an issue between themselves and the host, right? We just introduce, I'm not Airbnb, I'm not, you know, but again, if you don't like it, call me. Call me when I can do something about it, right? Um, but in the midst of it, so I had I had, I had, had multiple emails from the captain, from, from the coach. I had multiple... Because they then, you know, I hadn't even responded and I'm already getting messages from the captain, the president, you know, mul- from multiple levels of this crew, none of whom I've ever looked eye-to-eye and eye. Um, and they informed me in writing that my job should be to inspect each and every house and then rate them and decide what the appropriate prices they should be charging per level
2: but this is but this is volunteer
0: this is volunteer You're- and also by the way the um i so i also used to work a long ago for the aa uh, publishing in the travel guides as well as the lawyers were building. They don't do that. Never People charge that. their own prices yeah. and that's what the free market is about. They charge whatever they feel the market will bear. Yeah. Um, and they provide what they provide. The AA will go in. They do go in and inspect and say, you know, here's your one, two, three star rating, but it's got nothing to do with the prices.
2: More important but that's And that's AA. their
0: business, right? Yeah. Again, I'm a volunteer yeah. and I'm supposed to, A, decide what they charge and B, inspect every single house on, you know, when you've ch- shoved two people in at the last minute.
1: Yeah. So you're a lawyer. Obviously, you know everything. Pretty much everything there is to know about the law. At least from someone who doesn't know law. That's what a lawyer seems like to me. Where the hell did they get those like rules from in writing? And then how did they try and enforce that? Like, so I mean, which rules? Some people which just yeah, like saying, saying they you- know. I think they know. Everything. Yeah, like telling well, no, you what your them. job. They didn't, they didn't them.
0: get the rules. They decided that's what my job should be. Yeah, that's I what I mean. Like, how did they me.
1: back it up? Where did they even like get that idea from?
0: Uh, you'd have to ask them.
2: <sighs> Luckily, I would hope that they're sort of few and far between. Those ones, for that, the most part. I'd say have there's what. So
0: every year there is every year there is one crew that stands out because they're just so lovely. Yeah. And every year there's one crew that stands out for completely the opposite
1: yeah 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 well, Every yeah year. and would you say that's worse when like placing crews over for women's handy or head of the charles like which one proves to be like more oh, yeah, challenging the brits worse <laughs> <laughs> no, we're no, probably no. worse
0: well i don't just i don't just place brits for head of the charles we place them from from, yeah. from all over head of the charles well head of the charles is much easier because it's apart from like rowing in color it's um it's elite athletes, right? So it's the ones coming just off the Olympics or on the national team. Yeah. So they're just so they're actually really good because they're very appreciative of the fact that somebody's given them a room. We go to the extent um, we've learned the hard way, like no sofa beds, no anything like that. So they usually have their own room. At worst, it's twin beds in a room they're sharing with somebody else. People are very excited to have national team member from any team. Yeah. And um. And, and so that's really good. So the, hard, the challenge is finding it, you know, a bit like here, the challenge is finding somebody willing to give up an extra spare room on one of the busiest weekends of the year. Yeah, yeah. In the rowing community, in the busiest weekend of the year. That's the challenge. But the athletes then tend to be excellent at following up on the introductory email and thank you very much, and then, you know, leaving them a bit of national team kit or, or you know something to say thank you or whatever in light of the fact that they're not paying for mm. it and i mean you know and, and again some of those relationships go on so we, there was an athlete that i placed this year uh, we we're whatsapping because he was trying to decide whether or not to come so on and so forth and then once the decision was made the first thing he did was whatsapp the people who'd had him a couple of years ago and see if you could stay with them but easiest job i ever did i did it two years ago that's cool had, had nothing to do i mean you know but again, they're delightful. They're funny. They're charming. They know how to behave abroad. It, it's very good. And then that kind of leads on to one of the other issues, which um, I think some crews are more paranoid about than others. But for example, you had Morgan Bainum Williams talking about this last week on your podcast.
2: Wow! Um, well, well don't you've
0: listened? <laughs> and um, but she's talking about going to Virginia, and well, they speak English, right? So I didn't think it'd be such a culture shock.
2: <laughs> Yeah.
0: Right? And and I think it's a lot of the same thing. So you definitely have crews that come over here and don't realize that it's not America with a slightly posh twang to it. And um, yeah, I mean, we, ha- we had one last year. Uh, so I was in Waitrose. There was a junior crew. And again, everybody, you've got to realize, people, we all know who you are because you're all in your branded kit. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right? You're all there in your branded team kit, <laughs> and yes, there might be one that has somebody else's kit on from their junior team or whatever like that. But you know, but if you're all going about with you know high school rowing club on your, we, we know who you're from, and and I bizarrely for this particular incident, I was in Waitrose as it happened. I was in an aisle, and somebody is WhatsApping me about it as it happens I from elsewhere that. in the store, but couldn't see me. And what had happened? there's long queues because it gets more crowd there's long queues and one of the girls had gone off and you hadn't been there and they almost got up to the start of the queue and all of a sudden this girl just like comes in what do the British do best people? Cute Yep
2: We don't like a queue jumper We do
0: not like (laughs) a queue jumper and somebody politely asked her to go to image because she she turned up with a very full basket of groceries and somebody politely asked her to go and she said I'm with my teammates and they said you know, I realised that, but that's not how. And she just said, "Well, this is how we do it in America."
2: We're not in America.
0: We're not in America. Um, and you know, I sent uh, yeah. I, 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 I sent a polite text to the coach, going, "Look, I get it, been there, but heads up." And I, but I, but I also sent a polite text to other coaches that I had a good relationship with, going, "You need to remember." need to
2: remember it's difficult you know tensions are high it's it's race week you know you might not be thinking about these things but yeah again like that's where someone like you comes in to just
0: you've you've also got nine teenage girls away from home as a pack (laughs) in a different country for the first time and that and by the way that is how we do it in america
2: nine in a crew but Mm. two thousand in henley that week Uh yeah yeah i had um we went over to america um, I've got a family of five, so mum, dad, my sister was probably about 14, I was 12, my mm-hmm. brother's 10. We go to a Hooters, because my dad was like, you know, we should, it's, it's like a typical American thing, it'll be fun to go to, so going to Hooters. It's not a typical American thing. Probably not, it's probably, you know, it's the typical tourist thing, <laughs> yeah, the typical <laughs> tourist thing to do. Uh, and we went in, and uh, dad and mum were, they would say, oh, we'll have a beer, well, we may as well get. What in the UK we would call a jug of beer, Mm -hmm. but in America you would call a pitcher. Mm -hmm. The waitress comes over, and my dad, in front of his wife and three small children, says to the to the waitress, I just wanted to ask, how big are your jugs? She looks at him like a man in front of his wife and women who've just obviously asked that. And uh, it's probably only about 0.5 of a second before he then went, Pitcher! Pitcher! I mean Pitcher! In the UK, we call them jugs. I mean Pitcher! I'm so sorry. And she obviously laughed, and it was quite funny. But yeah, there's things like that can He happen. tipped big, right? Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Uh, from the colour of his face after for the rest of the evening, yeah, I think A, he probably did it.
0: Hundred and fifty percent tip. Right, fine. I, whatever, whatever I, you need.
1: I love culture shocks. It was all it was quite funny in the end. But yeah, obviously she's sort of told saw that we were British. Do you, yeah. Do you have any like culture shocks happening like from outside of American countries? Like what are some like of the most obscure as you'd call them, like countries that people come to, for example, Henley Women's, like to race in, like I, well, I assume, surely yeah. they don't struggle that much with assimilation because they kind of like expect things to be different. Like, oh, we need to be on our best behavior. We're going over to Henley rather than like, I own the place. You move out of my queue right now.
0: So on behalf of Americans, I don't think it's actually like we own it, move out. But I do think it is a lot more what Morgan was saying, right? You think it's the same. You yeah, think yeah. it's the same, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, so so again, stereotyping and I apologize I, for well, the, it's the same same here right? I'm not like, I'm not here. Canadians never seem to bother with the can never seem to have a, a struggle with the assimilation because they're just so darn nice to everybody so right It just doesn't matter. So yeah. th- so the Canadians are just like, hey, what a- yeah, go back. you know, <laughs> if a Canadian in that situation would just quietly go back to the queue and just you yeah, know, I'll meet you back at the house later, right? Whereas teammates would right. So the Canadians don't seem to struggle and often, you don't, you don't notice them because of that. Um, everyone else, again, they're very... And I think with Europe, it's that little bit different because, you know, I mean, I went to Amsterdam two weekends ago, right? It took me an hour and 40 minutes to get there because we were out on the ground for an hour, sort of thing. And all of a sudden you're there and it's a different language and it's a different culture and it's, you know, Dutch directness and what about this, this and this? And, you know, but... That's what you expect.
1: I love Dutch directness.
0: I'm I'm very much here for some Dutch directness. Let me tell you, they
1: will happen. literally tell you. Like, uh, you will ask a Dutch person to go out for a beer. It hasn't happened to me personally, and then you will say, "I want to like let's go out for a beer." It's like you're not worth my time. I would rather not. <laughs> so That's it. A have straight face. I have an American friend
2: who lives in um uh, in the Netherlands, and she has she had a baby, and when the baby was quite young, she's sort of struggling with it, and she went. To, to see her dutch friends and she was telling them all about how she'd really been struggling and in america her friends would be like oh my god that's so bad how can i help all the rest of it and so she sort of finished this story hoping maybe to get a bit of bit of that and then the sort of they were just like oh okay well you know we wish you luck with that problem yeah. <laughs> it's, I, she was like I it's can't... not their fault it's, <laughs> it's just how they are
0: it it, it is and it's and but but again, all these things, I think are actually really helpful. I, I think uh, but understanding, understanding a different culture. and yeah, um, I think a classic example is when we used to have Italian neighbors and and they would invite us around for coffee, and they would invite us around to the house for coffee. And as Americans who go round to each other's houses for coffee, this seemed perfectly normal. And apparently, it's what the Italians do as well. What they couldn't understand is why so many British people didn't come round for coffee. And would say no, and I'm just like, oh, it's not what the British do, you know. You meet them down at the pub, or you meet at a coffee shop, or you do that, but you don't, you don't go around to each other's mm-hmm. houses.
2: Yeah, but oh. then yeah, yet another amazing thing about you know, these events, when Henley and Royal Henley, that you get to mix with all these different athletes, and certainly, you know, whatever happens all week, come come Sunday night, everyone's going to be
1: partying in the that's in the it. same places. So yeah, everyone's going to be sharing drinks and well, you then, know, I mean, singing and you, "Sweet Caroline."
0: And you, well, and you, but again, that's I mean, that's Henley Royal. And then Henley Women's—it's that little bit different. But still, the international crews bring so much to the event. Bring so much. When you—if you've flown over from Australia, you're not here to lose, right? This is not a jolly kind of thing. Um, And there are Australian crews who get knocked out round one, right? Well, things happen. Yeah. Things happen. Those booms will come out and bite you. The other crew is just faster. Right, these things happen. Right, there is only one winner, and we, we people often talk about how gladiatorial mm-hmm. the whole Henley experience is. And you know, there's no there's no There's nothing like that. You know, two boats go down; only one shall emerge victorious. Kind of
2: thing. It's again what makes it special and different from other events. Yes, you you, you got to get it all right. You got to yeah. get a bit of luck, and you get, it's all got to go right for you.
0: If if you draw Mahe Drysdale day one, you know
2: yeah
0: he's he's come from behind so you'll get your photograph where you're leading it <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then
2: you know you know it that's exactly what Dave Bowen was talking about who else was talking
1: about racing the single oh Jamie God.
0: Kirkwood that, that's so a so Jamie, that's a Jamie Kirkwood story oh, is a, a, from so 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 it from the American was, like,
1: was, was Seb is also like led Mahe off the start <laughs> Leads yeah. off the start get your photo <laughs> and then, <laughs> yeah
0: and then we're yeah. all done I mean it, it yeah I mean it's exactly like that yeah uh, but, but all the internationals, I mean, they bring, you know, they bring so much to it. They bring a okay. the depth of the experience. Yeah. Um, we're, we were talking about the Dutch. If the Dutch win, they start singing. They start singing songs at the medal ceremony, and no one understands them because they're all in Dutch, <laughs> uh, right? But that's the tradition, and they're gonna they're gonna do it.
1: Yeah, yeah. foreign crews just elevate the experience because mm. it's already like made fantastic by the organizers and everything. And the fact that you also get to mix in. Like what we're saying about Henley, but not not just Henley Royal, Henley Women's. Obviously, like when else do you get to like paddle side by side with like some really fantastically renowned international crew, or like a university crew that you've only been able to watch on TikTok or or some other things? It's like it really adds like another level to the experience, and and why people want to and are longing to come back
2: there's I no there's, every yeah there's no separation in general the same at the women's end, you know you can you can be standing next to an international athlete or an olympian or a fantastic renowned coach there's no no one's kept in separate places it's all you're all here doing the same thing
0: and, and that's exactly it i mean they like and again i think it's something that we in henley get very used to mm. um because they walk amongst us right <laughs> yeah. you, know, you, you know you go to the cinema you oh you know and you know, next year's future Olympian could be serving you your coffee, right?
2: <laughs> you, I used to work at the cinema. Exactly.
0: All the, all the all the cool kids did. So, like Francis Heighton, everything like yeah, that. Yeah. He was my neighbor and he was at the cinema.
1: My daughter no, no, got no. the best movie posters. Sorry. The, the cool kids used to work at Leander. I'll just put that out there.
0: <laughs> all the cool kids worked at Leander. All the cool kids worked at Leander.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Anne. But, but,
0: but again, but it's just, at, just as you walk around town, you know. But the thing is, even at Henley Royal, um, so one of, the, one of the great things about Henley women's that I always enjoy partly because for a start it's usually the first time I get to put names to faces yeah. is the international crew reception so there's a crew reception free to competitors and one coach per boat at the River and Rain Museum and then we have other guests as well and their ticket prices basically pay to cover the cost. We, mm-hmm. we don't make a profit on it but we pay to, we, that's how we pay for it and we always get uh, well we almost always get like a national teamer or something like that, uh, to come speak to them. And so particularly for the Americans, but often for almost any country, that's the first time they've seen an Olympic medal in person, mm. right? If you think how big America is, you think how few people are on the national team, um, and then again, smaller group, those who get a medal. Or, and we get very immune to this in Henley, because it's like, oh, you know, I mean, we could, we could literally go down into the bar right now and the likelihood of running into at least one person and possibly more with Olympic medals is yeah. pretty high. Yeah. Mm. But they've never had that before. Mm. I mean, sometimes I feel like the whole reception and there's a couple little speeches and it's sort of a prelude to you know watching the internet go down as everybody tries to upload their selfies. <laughs> uh, you know, um, Helen uh, Glover yeah. or or. You know, Miriam or Naomi or something like that all have their medals. Uh, this year we have uh, Grace Pendergast and oh, I'm nice. very excited to have Grace Pendergast. Very we,
1: excited. We need presented. to get her on the podcast.
0: She pre- she presented prizes at Henley Women's last year and she's going to speak at the uh, International Crew Reception and I'm really excited about it. That's awesome. Um, both her medals and you know it's, it's, it's going to be really great and so so they love that and again as an international herself and you know and she so she's come from New Zealand she's rode the boat race here for Cambridge it's all these sorts of things uh, it's going to be it, it's going to be very very interesting
2: that's such an amazing way to sh- like show appreciation for all of them coming over it's just like we realise it's a massive effort you know and it's really expensive yeah but like there's yeah. appreciation from our side that you've come to make our event amazing so mm-hmm. I think that's really cool really
0: cool so Henley Ro- do. Royal does one as well yeah Henley Royal does one as well and it's a good chance to, like, get to see the international competition and mm. things like that. Um, we we then have a pasta dinner afterwards, which, again, is, like, separate and does cost. But and it's really good because it gives everybody a chance to kind of carve up before racing the next right. day at a relatively early, early time. Yeah. Um, but yet for the internationals, I think in particular, because the British sort of all know each other.
2: Yeah, he have been around the circuit. Right, sort of, you know, you know, races, you, know, yeah. you
0: you you've eyeballed them. You eyeballed them at Dorney. You've yeah. eyeballed them in Nottingham or wherever. Mm-hmm. Um, you see so but the internationals. You know, this is a big thing, and they're sort of all in this together, and it, it's it's really good fun. I think,
1: it's like really you said, fun. like you said, when else are these people going to get to see an Olympic medal in person? And like, we have wealth of that experience, like at both regattas in Henley, and it's it's fantastic. And I, I just really love the fact that uh, something like this exists, and like, obviously it's part of the culture It's part of like the the aura around the event like people coming over to henley from abroad they're gonna think okay cool we're gonna get get to do the international reception and if particularly one year like some cool crew races or they get to speak to grace Prendergast. who's obviously an icon like what she's done she's doubled up at the olympics she wouldn't even be able to do that at henley women's no so that's just exactly
0: no we are much (laughs) stricter than the olympics on this thing (laughs) much stricter than the olympics on this sort of thing
1: so i was i was going to ask you uh just to um change topic a little bit um Mm -hmm. say there is a foreign crew Mm -hmm. from a country that doesn't traditionally race at henley Mm -hmm. and they don't necessarily have the funds to come and race Mm -hmm. or to find accommodation or to rent a boat or to do all these sorts of things they Mm -hmm. maybe they've only got like funding for one of those things Mm -hmm. um how would you try and help that crew out
0: oh well i mean there's different ways we can there's different things we can do to help a crew out um but ultimately it's going to have to come from them ultimately it's going to have to come from that and it doesn't necessarily need to be a crew from a country that doesn't historically race at Henley women's right uh so for example any number of years ago we had a crew from inner city baltimore come over wow um and it was amazing is it was amazing awesome, yeah. they were they were they were so delightful i wish they'd come back they were so delightful um one of the mother uh, in time about the international crew reception one of the mothers was just so delightful because you know in the most positive way she was just forcing her child to like have pictures with me because she'd never met a, a woman taller than a child she's like this is what you, this is what you can be like this is what you can be like but i'm just like I'm just a
2: volunteer <laughs> imagine henley just a volunteer henley for someone from like an inner city place in america like but it must be like walking into a harry potter movie or something like it must be like the.
0: you mean it's not dude this is my daily life it's all (laughs) a giant harry potter movie yeah right right down to the bit where minerva and mcgonagall are on the steps to see who's taller that's my
1: life (laughs) oh yeah i remember that
0: (laughs) you'll think of me every time you watch it now um yeah i've had people pull that move on me it never goes well Anyway. Um, <laughs>
1: How many steps do they need to take? <laughs> Sorry.
0: They usually run out of steps. Because, um, you know, I can climb steps too. I can climb stairs too, which seems to be the bit these people always forget. But but anyway, I, I digress. Yeah. And yeah, you, you don't you don't have to be from inner city Baltimore. You don't have be, um, uh, A friend of mine who has come to rowing late uh, came to his first Henry Royal last year. He was invited over by a friend um and and we're trying to organize tickets and it's like right so we're going to be at leander and who wants this and do you want to eat at leander do you want to eat in stewart and he was coming over on a business trip in about march or april and and he's like when we were on the phone and he's like look i i just can't visualize Mm. what you're talking about and i was like fair enough and he was coming on a business trip i'm like just come out the weekend before Come stay with us, we've got a spare room, come stay with us, you know we'll walk it through we'll do- and and then all of a sudden it becomes much clearer, right because again, as we as we started to talk before, it's all in if you know you know code mm. right what the heck is Leander right <laughs> If you look it up on the on the Henley Royal website, they have no idea, right we're not on the Henley Royal website because we're not part of Henley Royal, and we're not on the course, and yeah. we're not a bunch of these things, yeah. But we are the only indoor air-conditioned bathrooms on the course, so I highly recommend you eat here and have membership here, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, I personally like to have lunch and or tea inside at Leander. Yeah. Not everybody does, but, there's, but it's different ways to do different things. But again, if you don't know, yeah. it's not immediately obvious.
1: Sure. But like if it if a crew's particularly struggling with funds or, funds or money or logistically to to come in or they've never done some anything like this before, like
0: Right. So logistics I can help with. Funds, Henley Women's were are were not the royal, we're not as big. Uh we're still building our base and things like that. So we don't so Henley Women's does not have funds to give out for for to help to help with things, right? However, it's all about the network and things like that. So this these schoolkins from these school kids from Baltimore, uh, we couldn't get them free housing, but we got them much more cheaper than usual housing because there's a, there's a host in Henry that, you know, I would do this. And a lot of our hosts, I mean, you've got to know the hosts as much as you've got to get to know the crews a bit. Yeah. So there's definitely some hosts who they want to know, like, well, who are these guys? And it's like, well, if they're starving students they'll charge a lot less. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If they're coming from a particularly well funded program, they're not gonna charge a lot less. Right? It's just yeah. sort of, you know, if your you know, if your team is gonna spend half a million to come over here, or you know, well, not half a million, but you know, you can rapidly approach two hundred and fifty thousand, three
2: hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, wow.
0: By the time to- by the time you've got airfare for fifteen people, for coaches, athletic trainers, and administrator. Just one eight round trip airfare, peak of summer. If they're staying for Henley Women's, they'll be here for a week. If they're staying for both regattas, they'll be here for three weeks. Um hats up really quick yeah, you've got to yeah. feed them, you've got to house them, you've got to hire a boat for three weeks, you've got to
1: They've got to wash their clothes, they've got to take showers, so yeah, it's all gonna like run up costs. Yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, so but, like, like but So
0: but so but there but that's the thing. So there are there are crew you know, mostly crews get charged for. Feel right. I've been doing this long enough, or whatever, like that. There's, there's, you know, there's people I can call, but equally, don't kid a kidder.
2: Yeah.
0: Right. Don't call me up from an Ivy League school and be like, we got nothing. <laughs> we got nothing. Right. Um. So, you because know, again, don't I don't know anybody, but I know somebody who does. Right. And if you if you're if you're trying to give me the end run. Be honest with me about what your requirements are like here's our budgetary requirements we're willing to pay you know a bit less and take a bit less because here's what we need i can absolutely work with that
2: yeah and there's so different there's different that. you know um if everyone's getting their own ensuite private room it's going to be a bit more expensive than if you can st- stick some uh, air beds mm-hmm. you know in the in the downstairs room yeah there's different options yeah. i'm sure you're the person to come and speak to That's- and
0: then every but then every up every university has its own different rules. Mm. We, I, I had this is new this year. I had a university turn down a house because they had a pool, and the lawyers wouldn't let the athletes stay because it was just too much of a liability.
2: Oh, sure right. Well, we all know um, what rowers are like. <laughs> much better on the water than in the water. Well, it's, John Collins. it's
0: it's it's always a it's always a challenge to explain to universities and like you know not not to explain to the universities, but to explain to the university administrator. Yeah, yeah right? Um, They're going to stay in private homes. Some of these people have had background checks with the police for other roles. Some of them have not. And sometimes the university is like, we don't want them sharing rooms. We definitely don't want them sharing beds. And you you say, okay, well, this is going to be an air mattress on the floor. I'm sorry, we're flying 4,000. But also, different people have different requirements Mm. so for example we had an australian crew come over last year they were one of the first to approach me and they were going to stay for henley women's uh they're actually coming early for henley women's and then staying all the way through for henley royal so for three weeks Mm -hmm. and for three weeks and they hope to do well obviously they didn't want mattresses on the floor and they didn't want to share beds because three weeks is a long time to have either of those things yeah right that's not unreasonable that's not unreasonable but it's also going to have a budgetary impact yeah and they were they and again you have a reasonable conversation with me I can have a reasonable conversation with you and I can give you the parameters that you're gonna to need to make the appropriate decisions for your team
2: yeah and then the other thing is getting contact with you early obviously the more time you have to to help them the better
0: yeah because again I'm balancing this yeah. around.
2: you know i'm balancing this around a lot it's not your job as in it's not what you do nine to five
0: it's it's not what i do nine to five my job my my job is and my job is not nine to five
2: (laughs) yes yeah yeah my
0: my my job is not nine to five um and this job is not what i do not nine to five um (laughs) and you know and there's parenting to do and i have another um volunteer role i might volunteer role with Head of the Charles, so the ones that asked for Head of the Charles really didn't get anything until after Head of the Charles um, but we could set that up and that's fine um, I'm a trustee of, of Love Rowing because similar to your question, I want to get more people out on the water and yeah. you know, let their lives be as influenced as mine is uh, there's a lot to do and I like to do a lot of it but the busy. more the more time you give but also making it not about me Again, we've already placed fifty thousand pounds worth of housing. Yeah, those first, the first people I'm going to call because their house is so amazing, they're booked now. Yeah. Right, they're booked.
1: So
2: get in early.
0: Get it, in, get in early.
1: It's it's truly amazing. Like how many different like aspects of the sports you're juggling, and also professionally and personally. I think, I'm to give you credit. Uh, is probably one of the only people that we could say that is as busy as us, or busier. I think busier. She she's busier than us. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. busier. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you want
0: something time. done, ask a busy
2: person to do it. Yeah, you've got to. Yeah, you've got to organize yourself and make time for it, haven't you? Mm. Um, just briefly, then as well, like touched on love rowing. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, I think we're going to speak to to Kat about it again, but okay. I'd love to just kind of kind of just hear a little bit from you um, how you've been involved and how that's been going.
0: So. Um, So I used to volunteer a lot more than I do now. I used to volunteer a lot more than I do now. How?
2: Where? (laughs) Using what time?
0: Uh, Because I had a husband, right? So I had an amazing husband and a dynamic that was very much... um, I hope hope everybody has this dynamic in all their relationships, Mm. right? And the whole thing was you he just wanted me to go off and be as me as i possibly could right go help people go solve this problem go do this and i will you know bat clean up kind of thing i will you know he did a lot of the child care and he did and he worked shifts so it actually worked really well uh i was married for 14 years and i did one load of laundry and i broke the washing machine
1: no way no way (laughs)
0: If anybody had told me that by getting married I wouldn't have to do laundry, I would have married one of those other idiots who asked me. Not idiots, they're very nice people. But, you know, I would have married one of the other guys who had asked me, kind of thing. But I think we're all glad that didn't happen. And um Yeah, and and yeah, so so that he was really good at taking care of all that stuff so that I could just constantly play to my strengths mm. and that was the thing uh so he unfortunately uh, he died unexpectedly two weeks before lockdown uh I know you I know you guys both knew him uh you particular
1: well uh, just to give a little story about how amazing Pete was I like letting people do it saying I used to do a little bit of work in your garden when you moved into your house in Henley and then in particular there was a big family of spiders uh, over like uh, a sensitive part of the garden that I needed to like take care of and Pete saw me like stare at them for like twenty minutes. He's like, What are you doing? You're so much bigger than that. Like it's just a spider, picks one up, throws it away. Uh so like, look, just let it live, get on with your job. I was like, oh, I wish I could do that. Yeah, no, he was he was fantastic.
0: Yeah. So he so he's so he's very he's very good at, you know, enabling other people mm. to go do what they're what they're good at. Uh, so yeah, so he died two weeks before lockdown.
1: I'm so sorry.
0: He's much missed. But um but conveniently at that time, I was I was on the Leander committee, but I was rotating off. Like that date was already scheduled. I had served my six years, and I was coming off <laughs> the and, sentence. And then it, <laughs> it was an experience. That's where I you you talked about the job. That's where I learned how to do my small talk.
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: It's where I learned how to do my small talk. It's a good and, skill. And yeah, you know, I even made friends. One of my closest friends I met at a um, Leander new member reception.
2: And did this? So it started as a little, small talk conversation, and then became no. Different. It
0: was what? No, it was it, it was crazier than that. It was crazier than that. Um, so he was there with his girlfriend at the time and his parents, and I just came in, and the girlfriend is just like Anne, and I'm like, and anybody who knows me knows I'm not good at names. I'm really not good <laughs> at names, and I'm like vaguely recognizing her. And this happens to me all the time. People know who I am. And I'm like, yeah. "Uh, uh, uh, uh." And and if it's particularly awkward, I will specifically ask, have we met before? And they'll go, no. Like, we've never actually met, but they're calling me by name. And it's like, do I need an injunction? Am I being stalked? What's going on? See, we told you you didn't need an
2: introduction.
0: (laughs) 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 And it's, um, but yeah, she's like, ah. And I was like, oh, God, I know I do. This woman is, oh, my God. And she turns around to uh, her boyfriend and, and his parents. And she's like, Anne and I were on the same table last last month at a commentary training course that we did by Robert John Jones and Peter O'Hanlon. And I was like, How are you doing? How's it going? You know, like, so good to see you. Boy. And and then as it turned out, she wasn't the new member. It was the boyfriend and his and his parents and all that sort of thing. But I'm just trying to make her look good, yeah. right? Like, you know, solidarity, women power, women power. Like, I'm, um, you know, have you had a tour? Oh, let me give you the tour. Let me do this. Um, I, you know, and then wound up having lunch with them because, and uh, I just, so you get invited along for lunch, which, you know, and then, I don't know, they got kind of mad at me because I snuck out and I paid for my own lunch because we all know, it, it's not a Leandro thing. We all know the committee member of whatever who's there for the free lunch, right? Like always pay your bill, just pay your bill, right? They might get a little annoyed because they wanted to take you to lunch if yeah. it's really sincere they can take you to lunch later on but because of that and the conversations we've had we had around that table and you know we loosely stayed in touch and then and yeah they're now mm-hmm. one of my absolute closest friends it's quite awesome. It's, re- it's really sweet
1: it's yeah really sweet. that's a great story so that's so you were on the leander committee mm-hmm. uh you were just rotating off when the lockdown started mm-hmm. we were talking about how you I got, got involved lab-rearing. with love rowing. yeah
0: oh sorry sorry um, no, I apologize. We can edit this back out. No, yeah, no there's no so,
1: editing. This is how my brain works first. So it's, right. like, it's easy. But,
0: yes, but because of lockdown, um, a lot of my other volunteer roles, I mean, they didn't have, we didn't do anything. Yeah. I placed no housing that year for Henley Women's. I, had, I already had, and obviously, Henley Women's not happening. And then the next year, so I, and a lot of the other smaller things that I did, uh, a lot of the commentary that I did, things like that, we just backed right off it. And and so, you know, it's been three years, things have kind of stabilized, my job's really good, all this other stuff. And, And I was thinking, if the right thing comes along, I could volunteer for something else. And I decided I wanted something sort of big and chunky as opposed to like five smaller, you know, commentary here gigs or whatever like that. Because those big and chunky, it takes a lot of time but you can actually flex it whereas I need to be here this weekend to commentate there if something comes up on childcare, if something comes up on work then I can't do it and it fails for everybody involved Um, and having kind of made that decision that I'd keep my eyes peeled, uh, it was advertised that Love Rowing was looking for new trustees and I know the then chair Kath Bishop and I phoned her up and I'm like so previously, I've applied for one or two things like this, and it became very obvious that they already had someone in mind, but they were just going through the steps. Mm. Um, if this is a genuine competitive process, I don't mind losing. I really don't mind losing, but I do mind being put through a dog and pony show mm. that mm. it's already been decided before I even turned up kind of thing. And she's like, no, it's it's genuinely competitive, and you know, here's what it's going to involve, and do you have time and capacity to do this and and yeah it was very competitive so i went through a few rounds of interviews and a lot of people applied and here i am and it's been very busy and it's already very rewarding and i I just we we're funding we're funding some amazing projects we're not funding enough projects because you never can Mm. kind of thing our grants are open for two more days people get those applications in and um you know i'm i'm drafting a lot of policies i'm dealing with a lot of um you know things that you know as you grow what worked before sometimes doesn't work so let's get some clarity on this let's get some clarity on that and we've got some fun fundraising stuff coming up we've got as i said grants are open for twice a year and it's and i'm just all the way through i love problem solving i love getting people into this community and seeing where it'll take them, and it's just everybody's path is different. And I just, I love being part of Love Rain. Yeah.
1: So, so just briefly for our stateside listeners, or our listeners from South Africa, Australia, Germany, and other obscure countries that don't know what Love Rain is, what what does Love Rain do, and who are you helping?
0: So, first of all, all those listeners should come to Henley and Race. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You heard it. Yeah. Straight from the source. Uh, i'm sure i'll be tagged on instagram for this whole thing and i'm easily contacted that's the
2: whole point your handle's already on the video we'll make sure we put details um on for all the other ways to get get hold of there we go
0: crew at hwr.org.uk and so they should all come love rowing is the british rowing charitable trust but that's not a very exciting or inspiring name so we do business under the name of love rowing uh and and you know but what we do is exactly what's on the label of, on the boring label kind of thing. So we, British Rowing, uh, gives us some funding, but we're looking to raise more and more funds from the British Rowing community. And we have lots of great places like Wimbledon High School and other places that do participated in the big row during lockdown and all sorts of things. And we are looking to fund various programs uh, throughout the country, uh, by which we mean. Great Britain and that at the moment relatively small price tags because we're looking to grow and grow funds Mm -hmm. but impact the lives of people and get them on the water right and they can come from all different places so there's one place that's doing something for people with brain injury there's one place that's doing something for refugees because that's who wandered into their boathouse kind of thing. And they realised there was more of a need for this in the community. We've got Infinity Boat Club up in Newcastle that's just one like British Rowing Project of the Year kind of thing.
1: Whereabouts in Newcastle?
0: Uh, I'm not the person to ask anything about Newcastle.
1: <laughs> well, well I, I I went to uni in Newcastle. I was just curious because it sounds like a new project.
0: It is a new project. Ah, oh, it is okay. a new project. It's, it's brand. Up. Look it up. Look it up, Infinity Boat Club. They're doing amazing things. That's cool. Absolutely amazing things.
1: We need to go and fix their ergos. <laughs> one thing I like. One we thing start that-
0: up charity, so you need to go fix their ergos for free, young man.
1: Oh yeah, well we can sort something
0: out. I'm sure we will. Tom
1: handles that side. I just I'm just the monkey that does the work.
0: It's the whole thing about charities, right? It's very expensive to be my friend.
1: Well, yeah, but then
2: yeah, yeah. If you yeah, if you need help with that stuff, definitely let us know. I'll be I'll be happy to. We go all over the country anyway. So it's we already it's fix, on record. We it's already on record. No, no, we already fixed um uh was it tiny United? So yes. we already go to Newcastle's so around the corner. So yeah, no, definitely give us a shout if you need help with that. But um what I was gonna say, like what like excites me the most about things like love wearing especially since having started this podcast and speaking to all these athletes, Olympians, world champions, there's they didn't Almost none of them came from a dynasty of rowing or a rowing family. A lot of them accidentally fell into the sport. Some of them really, some of them obviously through uni and through some, some more well-known um, access. You know, if, obviously, if you went to uni at Cambridge, like um, Imogen Grant, she sort of fell into it that way. But Which in is general crazy. crazy. Just doesn't seem... Well, but, but also,
0: think about it. You can also, you can go to university at Cambridge like Imogen Grant. You can go to university at Cambridge like Anna Watkins. Who learned to row while she was studying at Cambridge, but not at the college, and never rowed for Cambridge University Boat Club because it was before they went on the Tideway and there was no funding.
2: Yeah, 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 exactly. Right, it's just a point on so, funding. So, so, so. But yeah, that's the thing for me is, all we've had all these Olympians from from like so many, you know, Charles from London and all sorts of different ones. Where, right, you you got to the top of this sport because you had a chance to try it it wasn't because you were some kind of fantastic already child prodigy you just you just had a chance to try it mm-hmm. and as a nation we're fantastic at rowing and we've done really well like what what untapped resources there out there if we can give twice as many people access to try rowing how much better could we be i think that's really exciting and that's just looking at the top end i
0: was gonna say that's not even the bit that excites me yeah right And obviously, I'm here at Leander. I do all this with Henley Women's. I deal with elite internationals ahead of the Charles, et cetera, et cetera. Don't get me wrong. I'm absolutely here for some top end rowing. But the bit that I get excited about is the bit that's changed my life the community Mm -hmm. of people that I have met, the friends that I have made. Again, you know, gone from that kid in high school, right? That, you know, apart from the basketball. not popular very picked on the whole thing to she needs no introduction yeah right and these are the people who were you know i'm again it's three years on and the community that was there for me when my husband died was astounding Mm. it still astounds me today and that is the stuff i know about yeah right i will guarantee you twice as much if not more stuff behind the scenes of you know what she doesn't need to deal with that right now I'm just going to fix it Yeah, absolutely happened yeah, yeah, and I don't know about it now and I probably never will yeah. but guarantee and that's what the rowing community does yeah. for its own
2: yeah right? fantastic community
0: fantastic community and again when you're looking at projects with people with brain injuries they're not going to be top end rowers yeah no right course. they're not going to be top end rowers but they will get They will get that community. They will get the mental health benefits. They will get the physical health benefits. They will get all this stuff out of it, right? All these people, the top end of the top end, and God bless them, and I love watching them race, right? Absolutely love it. Completely here for it. Most of us, most was it 99.8% of us, never going to hit that height.
2: It doesn't matter. You do it for the love of it.
0: You do it for the love of it. You do it for the community of it. You do, you know, you deeply question your sanity, yourself and your rationale while you do it and then come off the water and say, I need to do it again.
2: All those life lessons you can learn, all those like abilities, confidence in yourself, things that you take on into business, like I think are so interesting from it as well. Um, Like we would discuss before, you know, just the mental health aspect of it. Like all of us have, have used sport as a way to just get some of that anger out that frustration whatever it is that's going on in your life like i have urged my way to
0: mental health more times more days yeah than i want to admit and i've been there on really really you know right after my husband died i got on a group erg with my boat club you know cambridge boat club back in the united states it was a new coach he didn't know me never seen me and i'm just like yeah i, I kind of got some stuff going on i'm a little- and my friend Natasha just speaks up and she's like, it's okay and you can cry here. And because it's erging, it was a perfectly normal response.
2: <laughs> yeah, I love that.
0: <laughs> it's yeah. a perfectly normal response. And, you know, and, you know and, and, the coach, and the coach took it as just like, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. It's a safe space. You can cry here. It's fine. Yeah. But but it worked. It worked. and And again, for people that don't speak to each other while they're actually doing that activity, we're an amazing community mm. and getting people into that community and all the benefits and everything that that's helped with. And the, and you know, and you talk about work and jobs, mm. you know, the habits that it teaches you turn up on time, yeah, work backwards, you know, plan backwards from your race. I'm going to have to eat at this time to be at the start line at this time, to be at boat prep for this time, to be at the start line at this time and make sure my warm ups finished by this time. Boom, boom, boom. So that I can have peak performance for that seven and a half minutes coming down the Henley course, yeah, and I say that as somebody who's never actually raced on the Henley course.
1: That's a that's a crime. You should you should definitely. It really
0: needs it really need, does yeah, need to get rectified yeah. at some point, and yeah. you know somebody has to be last, and I'm okay with being that person. But
2: well, then we should speak but, to um, Emma and Grace. were thinking about putting a crew together. Oh should yeah, get you in with them.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, it's okay if I come last. I'm not sure Emma and Grace it depends
1: how how, how uh, <laughs> yeah, how serious they want to yeah. take it. But just just to add to your point, like is there any uh are, are, are there many more occasions where you just remind yourself of how much you love the sport when you see visibly see another person cut like catch the bug for rowing and fall oh. in love and just oh. wanna go out yeah. again, you know? Oh
0: well th- so think back to what I said about my husband, right? Like it's amazing to just let somebody go, be this full person, mm. right? It's an amazing thing, and I hope everybody gets that. And when you watch them start to row and catch this bug and turn them turn into like the full person that they are, it's abs- it's it's the most incredible thing yeah. in the world. And that and and they may never win a race, they may never even race, they may never even get there, but they're on the water. I mean, we've all had it, right? You're on the water. It's a beautiful day. A fish jumps, or there's a turtle on the side, or one of the red kites, or you know, or there's parrots on the on the on the island kind the of mist thing.
2: along the stretch. Oh, oh, the, mi- the, oh, the sun's just coming up.
0: Well, I mean, you know, and I've been on some ugly stretches of river, and it's still an amazing thing, yeah. right?
2: And it's quiet, and it's early, and the boat's running nice. Oh, the oh, isolation,
1: the peace, theater. the solitude. Yeah yeah
0: uh, that's like rowers need our own calm map kind of thing and that, that, <laughs> just the noise like we don't need whale song <laughs> <Yeah>. we don't <laughs> we don't need whale song we need a really soothing coxswain it's like we're just going to take it up now we're just going to bring it down now right into and like
1: you be oh, on- you're onto something oh, i, would, on I would love that i would love that we too we need to speak to, yeah <laughs> i just, you- just hearing that now is relaxed i cox i cox myself like during training sessions in the gym now sometimes i'm like oh six more reps all right in three we're gonna lift and uh, yeah. yeah i think that's a pretty good idea
0: self-narrative is important
1: it is it's, yeah. it's, it's a lot of people self- talking about that now
0: self-narrative is important kind of thing and you know what you tell yourself is is what you're gonna hear. Mm right so yeah so so again you take a bunch of big you know big awkward people who can't catch who can't catch a ball who can't kick a ball who can't do anything and the number of Olympians will tell you I mean we've all been to boat club parties right? <laughs> <laughs> and you know and the only thing better than racing is watching rowers try and dance at a discount <laughs> right yeah, yeah, it's- see we're all smiling we're all happy yeah it's 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 all good
1: i feel like it's- rowing like really sh- helps you shape as a person because you get a certain level of independence of looking after yourself of having to work with a team having to follow orders from a coach there's so look after equipment it's so multifaceted exactly there's there's so many different aspects to what you need to do to look after some things are your responsibility. some things aren't you need to learn how to debrief you need to learn how to communicate and if we can bring that to more people or through the means of love rowing and through the means of introducing more people into the sport more people uh, fall in love with it they catch the bug more people uh, but some people might introduce someone to the sport because they listen to this podcast like that's what all of this is about like ultimately we're here to share the love that we have for the sport <laughs> and we want other people to discover uh the joys that come with it you know the ups and the ups and downs like I sometimes think like okay well I'm from a village in Poland like I'm not sure what I would have ended up if I didn't find rowing like I, it's it's just a really interesting thought. Mm.
0: And, and, it, and it's a wild thing because again as i said
1: i fell into it too. I, I i
0: i grew up no i i knew no one who rode. yeah i didn't meet anyone who rode. i didn't know i didn't know anything about any of this right and you know to suddenly you know when i see the updates from from my my hometown and you know there was there was something in like my alumni newsletter this is a few years ago and they're just like oh and this graduate has gone on and they're you know they're rowing at Lafayette College and I'm just like there isn't a rowing at Lafayette College there is now and he's doing it and god bless him sort of thing um Lehigh again Lehigh University um uh, when I let, and and we've worked it out because actually a really really good friend of mine started at Lehigh University and was with the rowing program and it would have just been as I left sort of thing so I feel like I just missed it and um, and then one of the local high school one of the local state schools uh now has a rowing program and things like and I'm like this is amazing and I just I haven't I have not been back in uh I officially haven't been back in the area for 12 and a half years so
2: one day so it would be cool to go back
0: it it would, it would be really could I uh, and again I it's it's given me i would i will just turn up
2: i would get them just over turn, here
0: i i have i have reached out i've yeah. reached out to to at least one of them on instagram not heard back uh i need to reach out to the other ones but also it's a little weird it's a little just be like hi yeah
2: <laughs> yeah
0: hi you don't know me but i'm really i'm from one of you really really i am and you should come to henley and it's just like what are you saying for scammer scammer yeah, it's yeah. like nope it's me and you should and next next well, time we'll just send, send them the link to the, the, the podcast, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome. You'll, you'll start you'll start tagging them lehigh university oh right? yeah yeah we'll we'll start, College, start start you know moravian yeah. academy all that kind of stuff yeah it'll be it'll be it, it'll be very that'd be awesome but but again I and mean, it there's there's something for everybody yeah and it's it's really nice to do all the volunteer work at the increasingly elite level for women's henley um but not everybody wins hmm. Uh, not everybody's going to, uh, but then, but foundation stuff like this, and then um, and it also starts with where I rode in Boston. Mm-hmm. So community rowing Boston is, I think, the largest boat club in America now. Cool. And and they've they've changed their slogan and things since, but not their ethos, which is uh, rowing for all. Yeah. And so the American Paralympic team trains out of there. Again, with people that I rode with and I trained with and and I've coached with. So, you know, shout out to Ellen Minzer and and all those guys. Um, And but they have that. They have army rehab vet programs out of there as well. There's youth girls rowing. There's inner city youth girls rowing. There's uh, masters programs. There's very successful masters programs. It's huge things going on, and it's morning, noon, and night sort of thing. And they can now do winter training. Back when I started. And I mean, I mean, again, and and the community, you're still with these people. Howie Schmuck famously was member 001 of community rowing, and he's still involved. And he's your volunteer exemplar because he's the guy. Yeah, he can be on trust. He can be on boards of trustees. He can run all this kind of stuff. He works at a very, very high level. And he's the guy that will stay behind and also pick up the rubbish because somebody's got to do it. Yeah. Right. And welcome to rowing somebody's got to do it and that someone can be you
1: yeah 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 i love that i think that just encapsulates perfectly the essence of the sport i wanted to ask you um just lastly uh as as someone who's been involved with organizing handy women's for a decade now uh there's an extra racing day what changes do you see happening in the near future, especially now that for we're. Henry
0: women's or Henley Royals?
1: Women's. Uh, no, for Henley, handy Women's. Yeah. I'm okay. talking about Henley Women's. So, like, what changes do you see the event going through? Uh, and also, like, with everything becoming more digitized, with, uh, in involving more data, with involving, like, statistics on athletes, etc. and with newfound science on, uh, women in sport? Because it is something that we're actively developing. I think just recently mm-hmm. there's been a, um, I think a guide passed on like Olympic training for pregnant women. I Mm -hmm. think that's really important because then that's not going to disencourage women who want to be mothers from also like not pursuing a career. What do you, this is a bit of a long-winded question, but like, how do you see Henley women's shaping in the next few years? Or what are you aiming to improve on the event as well, going into the future?
0: So that, strangely enough, is something that I'm probably not the person to ask, right? Because I have my I have my niche on and so forth. I think it's only going to get bigger. Definitely, I I bigger. I think it's only going to get bigger. You can't you can't increase the the amount that we have uh, in a decade and not have it get bigger. So mm-hmm. we are we are at three days and we are bursting at the seams, sort of thing.
1: So wanna, fourth day is coming.
0: I I am not in a position to decide that. If it was up to me, <laughs> if it was up to me a fourth day. Is, okay. Let let me, me rephrase.
1: Coming. Let me I, rephrase just, the question. I,
0: I I I literally wouldn't even be privy to those conversations.
1: Sure, it's right? different. So to like, imagine I don't
0: it, I don't yeah. I, mean, I don't I don't want it, I don't want anybody to go away and be like, oh, <laughs> the second fourth day is coming. Okay. No.
1: Okay. No. Let me rephrase the question. Okay. Ask a fan of the event and yes. as someone who loves it and yes. loves uh, Henley Women's. Yes. What changes would you like to see the event take place in the next few years?
0: Okay. So the t- things I would like to see, um, I, I just want to see us keep growing. I just want to see us keep growing. I just want the standards of competition to keep getting higher and higher and higher. Because what you said about Henley Royal is whatever the event is, because again, it's very international and so on and so forth, you're you're at the peak, right? People have come from all the world to compete in that thing in a way that you don't get to for the World Cups, you mm-hmm. don't get to... You know there's under 23s and there's under 19s sure but it's weird kind of random age cutoffs mm. right but you know but if you're if you if you've won the intermediate event at henley women's you are arguably one of the fastest intermediate crews in the entire world yeah and then and same thing at henley royal same thing at henley royal and i think that i think as the numbers grow the prestige grows and i think it's just going to continue um, and interestingly, from my vantage point, when Henley, women, when Henley Royal added more women's events, it was a big opportunity, but you never know which way it's going to go. Are people going to skip Henley Women's mm. to just focus on the Royal? Um, it, I mean, depending on how other people decided to take it, it could have imperiled us. Mm. It hasn't. So I would say previous years last previous years it was a pretty 50 50 split between kind of one crew or no crews uh having a boat stay on for henley royal uh, but of course until 2020 2021 uh, there were only three events for women there was the champ single the champ eight and the youth four youth quad sorry
1: yeah, yeah the junior quad. yeah yeah
0: the junior quad Um so if you were having a boat stay on you literally could draw the australian national team in the opening round yeah um so a lot of them came to handling women's in, instead now that they're now that there's you know approaching parity we've still got a long way to go um there's not identical events for the women as there are for the men and in every event they have there are less entrants that make it through to side-by-side racing than there are for the men's event I understand the constraints behind that, but move, movement is going to happen. Yeah. How are they doing? Again, not my remit. But what's happening is Henley Women's is benefiting. It's gone the way I had hoped it would go. Good. And and I'm really excited by that. So as I said, previous years pretty even, 50 between zero and one. One year I had two. Oh boy. Last year I had six. This year I already have four.
1: Cool. Yeah.
0: Right. And they're not, and not every athlete. They're not sending every athlete to stay on because it's a huge financial thing. Yeah. It's a huge financial thing to have them all stay on for, for three weeks. But it's a target the the athletes can work to attain.
2: Mm-hmm. So. Awesome. Yeah, I want to see that as well. Yeah, I think I, it's it, good for us. It's
0: it's only going to grow. Yeah, yeah. It. I think it's only going to grow women's sports is starting to get its due yeah. you, you've, you've seen it with the lionesses yeah uh, yeah you know anybody I'm know how it. i can get a mary earps shirt for my kid for that, for christmas because i got nothing right we've seen it with the lionesses you've got businesses in america that are now just you know somebody just said i've had enough and founded a sports bar that only shows women's sports Cool, and they've made an absolute raging success out of it, and so now somebody else is doing it in a different city. That's wicked, right? We're getting we're getting cricket on the television, we're getting football on the television, you know, women doing women's sports, and people are here to watch it, and they're not, you know, they're not talking about how tight our spandex is.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, the standard is is incredible, and it's Mm -hmm. getting higher and higher. And not even that, like what's coming out of the lionesses' stuff is is the research and the money that's going into it and understanding how women's bodies work and hormones, like, all that stuff's yeah. having a drop-down effect yeah. to every other sport. And, like, we're seeing it in rowing and how it's coming, having spoken to Paddy about those sorts of things. Like, it's it's really exciting. Like, it's very this, exciting. There's, really, there's so much more that can come. And I feel like... But,
0: but there's still more that can come because, yeah. for example, um, again, and it's the difference between rowing in Britain and rowing in America. I'm sorry to cut you off there, Peter. Oh,
1: no, no, at all. But
0: American coaches are paid yeah, American coaches have been paid for a long time. The coaching I did in America, there was a while there where I was coaching in America just in the evenings and on the weekends, and I was making more than my day job because I would coach all day Saturday and no one else would. yeah, right? And you know, I was making and because no one else would do it, I was making an absolute fortune putting in that extra day. And I'm not sure I would have done it as a volunteer, whereas here, most of the slowly coaches are starting to get paid slowly but a huge number of them are volunteers Mm. huge numbers of them are are doing all these things and the problem with that is the structures set up around it and the structures just set up around life mean it's mostly men and it's mostly men going for the paid jobs as well so you know i heard of a junior job advertised recently they were desperate to hire a woman or at least interview one like let's give them a shot and no women applied for it Mm. and it's very frustrating because there's some fabulous women coaches out there but there's not they they don't have necessarily the depth of experience Mm. they're not 100 100 certain they want to make it a career uh if you become a rowing coach you're away a lot of weekends you're away a lot and you know and if you want to have children And things like that. I mean, my child goes and stays with friends during Henley Week because I can't get in and out of town to take her to the school bus.
2: Yeah.
0: Right? And the Leander athletes I used to pick her up, they're all racing. So she very kindly goes and stays with friends up in Abingdon to to get through Henley Week. Yeah. Right? But, you know, that's a huge sacrifice to make.
1: Yeah, we got to make we got to make the sport more attractive to, to female coaches definitely the first two coaches I've ever had were women mm. before before I got my ma- uh, male coach in Poland like, um, uh, the, the two people who taught me how to row were both women one mm. was called Małgorzata the other one was called Ula just to give you a bit of credit I had uh,
2: uh, well not my first coach but it came down to Liania
1: I had uh, Lavinia oh, I had Lavinia as well yeah, uh, both coached by Lavinia yeah. but yeah, uh, yeah. Out Lavinia if you're listening <laughs> <laughs> she is <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'd I've, hope so
0: I've made Fabulous! I'm, I coach. I coached high school novice boys. Um, it's been twenty years. I can't get rid of them. <laughs> I still hear from them. I I I I had coffee with one of their mothers when I was home for head of the Charles, and like the athlete was, you know, like ticked he couldn't come down, but he couldn't come down. Um, I you know I've been invited to weddings. I'm still friends with like other people that I coached who were you know masters athletes when I coached them, kind of thing. again it's another way to form relationships but it's but it was also like boston is unusual again i coached on saturdays because at the time i was an unmarried childless you know day job job during rowing in the morning day job during the day law school at night person right so i could do something on saturdays i couldn't i couldn't do it now Mm. i couldn't commit to do it now and um we've got all these sorts of things, all, all these sorts of things going on, and it just community rowing worked really well for a lot of people because it was Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Where the competitive programs were Monday through Friday, and then the river busy at the weekend, so you had the weekend off, mm. and that made it a lot more accessible to a lot of people in a way that you know sometimes it doesn't work.
1: It doesn't. work. stay flexible and yeah, try and yeah, try and make things work, like... Yeah. If anything, I'm glad uh, that you're in a, uh, in a campaign team for the Henley Women's because Henley Royal as a as an event it doesn't really need, need much promotion. It's a bit of a self-runner. Uh, it's got the, none. The, the pr- of,
0: none of these things are self-running. None no, but you know the name.
1: People people know what Henley Regatta is, etc. And I'm glad that someone as active and as passionate about the sport as you is promoting Henley Women's. So I think. But
0: I'm not the, we, the only going- one. Our our committee. Our co- i think i have the best job at the regatta but i hope everybody on our team thinks they have the best job at the regatta right the person that runs the land the land facilities or whatever oh my god i oh it would come crumbling down so fast if that was my job i couldn't do it i couldn't do it but equally and i I think she'd be the first to tell you oh she'd hate my job yeah yeah she'd hate and 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 that's the thing but we're there's a lot of really passionate women to promote it,
1: which brings me to my point that That's it's sorry. also it is, which brings me to my point that it's another classic and um, to give credit other people ahead of ahead of yourself, and that just speaks to the volume but of no, like what kind of no person you are. As a no
0: woman is an island. I'm not doing any of this on my own.
1: No, but no. You're, you're the you're the one that at least I personally know that that is promoting, and I'm for that. I'm very grateful and I'm very glad, and I I think we can expect great things to come from also like seeing how the event's going to grow more people. Uh, taking part in the sport etc and i think more lives are going to get improved so personally for that i'm very grateful and yeah
0: so you're going to come volunteer with us
1: i'll give you one day i'll give i'll give you one day yeah good. i'll volunteer for a day
0: good i mean that's the thing come down and see what we're like come down spend money with our vendors come race with us come and volunteer
2: we'll, we'll be a vendor we'll, come we'll be volunteer. there i'll make sure rogue is there we'll have a tent up so uh, we can uh, yeah we can help out if we're going to be down there anyway so yeah because
0: again similar if we don't have volunteers we can't run it if we don't have vendors and entry costs and things like that to help pay for because it's it's all on private land Mm. right so you know it's the bit that nobody really thinks about but we need to pay we need to cover costs we need to do a bunch of things and we need we need come support it in whatever way you can and if that means you have a disposable income and can spend a bunch of money please do that
1: okay We'll f- we'll figure oh, you out f-
0: to have pockets we're now. Getting, that was like
1: sponsorship. a sponsorship <laughs> Is that what you're gonna say? <laughs> no, I was gonna say let's figure out a skill set so that I can be uh, of use for. And then uh, yeah, I'll give you a day of volunteering for for the, for the event. Why not? But uh, I guess we just got some quick fire round questions to oh, ask you. Oh,
0: okay, okay.
1: They're uh, not that quick. Don't don't worry. No, they're not <laughs> that quick. Well, the uh, the questions are quick. The answers are not. <laughs> so um, out of all the rowing venues that you've been to visited trained at or raced at what are some of your favorites and why
0: oh out of all of them
1: out of all of them every single one
0: (laughs) i'm gonna go straight for the charles i'm gonna go straight for the charles um the turns the bridges the winds the the yeah it's my home river i I feel like it's my home river um, because that's where i've spent I've spent more hours on it than anything else, and I love it. I've coached on it. I have raced on it. I rode on it. I have fallen in a few times. <laughs> um, absolutely the Charles.
2: So absolutely the Charles. Not not the first to, to ask that. Yeah, there's a few people that really like that one.
0: Uh, yeah, again, it's an amazing event. You can also volunteer for that. It's actually hard to volunteer for Head of the Charles. I've
1: never been to America, so it's, I, it would be very hard for it's me. Com-
0: it's competitive. Waiting it's competitive. List, yeah um and so you apply to particular committees and if they're full they're full but there's always some that need some uh courtney needs you for ecology and recycling and things like that And it's kind of wild it's great they're very eco-friendly and i really love it great wow. initiative
1: let's start with, let's start with henley Wimers and then we'll talk about <laughs> volunteering over there on, across the pond. my next question is if you were to repeat one race or one event again when you're 60 or 70 what would it be and why
0: okay so first of all i have absolute plans to re- to redo a whole lot of races when I'm sixty or seventy.
1: Brilliant! Tell us abso- about them. I absolutely
0: <laughs> do. Uh, so again, we're going to go with head of the Charles. Nice. Um I can see some Henley Masters. Finally, get my race down the course at Henley you Masters. But
1: we're we talking you pairs, fours, to. quads. Don't I know, single. Sings. I
0: single. Like so, either either I either need two oars to know what to do, or I need to be like hiding in the five and eight, right? Okay. Okay. I have an invisible five on my forehead that only Rarian coaches can see. <laughs> And
1: <laughs>
0: like i don't even get to row six i don't know what it is i don't even get to row six um but i do well in a double a quad just confuses me i don't know why and um, yeah. and i don't know it, they're beautiful things but i never do well in them no, for whatever me neither. reason me neither. and um but yeah so so yeah so 60 or 70 i'll still be there at the head of the charles uh hopefully back racing Henley masters and then strangely enough I did this insane race in Beale, Switzerland. Oh, yeah, scratch crew that I that I talked about where they're like, so who taught you how to ra- Oh yeah, that's fine. Um I would I would do that again in a heartbeat. I would do that again in a heartbeat. It was again
1: Fun ri- Crew or Fun Event?
0: Both. Both. And actually because of weather and so that we didn't it, so it's called the LAC because you go through these two lakes and you go through a canal. And actually, due to weather, we didn't do that. So we actually did thirty-eight k, half down to a giant buoy, turn around, come back, uh, mass start. That actual cannon goes off, Uh, and then and you and you just go and and again scratch crew. Most of us didn't know each other. The whole thing, borrowed boat, borrowed crew, and um, and we just. Went off and somehow we came in the top ten. I don't know how. And you know it, it was hysterical. And, and my legs were so tired at the end of it. My tracks kept my my track we, because we'd had the trailer over. My tracks had come a little loose and nobody had noticed. Oh, move. So so they would move a little bit. So anytime we had a break, instead of like chugging water, I was having to lift myself up so the guy behind me could move my tracks down. And
2: I'm, With the old water bottle.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it was um it was quite a quite a thing while six other people are still rowing because you never start moving mm. and, and and i just remember you climb out of this wet launch and so i climbed out of the boat and i got in and i was up to about my hips and then the cool water on my legs just cramped them all up and the mm. next thing you know i'm like up to one chin sort of thing <laughs> in the water amazing people amazing race would love to do it again
2: sounds I
0: absolutely love to do it again
1: cool i hope you get a chance to
2: uh question i always ask is if you could travel back in time to the age you were when you first really fell in love with rowing what mm-hmm. advice would you give that person
0: oh, oh i so want to say drop out of law school um <laughs>
1: <laughs> to pursue rowing or uh
0: no no uh many 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 other reasons um, although actually no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have changed that. I wouldn't change that either. I wouldn't, for good or bad. I don't think I'd actually change almost anything because it all.
2: It brings you to it, who you it are. It
0: all brings me to to the. I mean, the best way to learn something is to fail, yeah. right?
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Best way to appreciate appreciate something is to not have had it. Uh, you know, I appreciate the, the. I I don't understand why the Rolodex is as big as it is now, but. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, And, ah, oh, what was it? 27. Um, I would have trained with the men more. Yeah. I would have trained with the men more. So I, uh, first year rowing, I didn't do winter training uh, and which was, and then I realized I had to do winter training because after about two weeks, I literally, I was at dinner with a friend and I had to leave and go run around the block because I just, all this not training, I suddenly had so much energy and I couldn't sit still anymore. Uh, so, so the second year I did, I did winter training and, and I did it with the men because I, so I had it put me with a group of women of similar age or similar ability and I will beat them on the erg every single time and I knew I needed to push myself and so I did winter training with the men and I did that for three years and you know and I was middle of the pack uh, and it drove a lot of guys crazy that, you know, search you right for beating my score kind of thing. Yeah. You know, it drove a lot of guys crazy that I was beating them and I'm like, come get me, bro.
1: Yeah. Do come something to- about it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, That's kind of my growth. If you don't want to lose to a woman, then it's up to you. Yeah, Yeah. I'm not slowing down for you. So there you go um
1: would it also be for the impeccable chat that men men, men rowers usually tend to have? absolutely not <laughs>
0: and I would, I would say more i think it's more to do with the fact that if yeah if they if it no wonder they're losing if they're trying to chat while they're erging
2: no i think that's fantastic advice and that's the advice that i give other people as well is is um go push yourself yeah don't don't go don't, push yourself don't be upset about not being the best in your group be excited about about rowing with people who are who are faster than you're better than you. Maybe not in all aspects, but in any aspect, like you're guaranteed to get better. Mm.
0: You're, yeah. yeah. If you, it, it's a simple sport. If you put the effort in, yeah. you will improve. And you know, we're not all born six foot plus, and we're not all born with the lung capacity of Pete Reed, and we're not all born with, um, you know, whatever slow twitch muscle fibers or something like that that like Gwyn Batten has, kind of thing. But you can be better. And that's the thing. You don't need to be the best. You just need to be better. Definitely. Go be better. Yeah. Go be better.
2: Good advice.
1: One last question from me. Who are some of your rowing idols or people that you've looked up to or you look up to in the rowing world?
0: Okay, so first of all, we're gonna use look up to and usually the metaphorical. <laughs> <one>. <laughs>
1: I love first,
2: the, I've gotta say this because you said before we filmed you've you've never met a woman taller than you. I've never met, I met a, think a it's Amazing. Than
0: you. I've never met A woman taller than I am which I think is ridiculous but and 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 it's really I also find it really funny because so like there was a time after university when like the U.S. women's basketball team did really well at the Olympics you have Lisa Leslie and all these amazing female athletes it was kind of a start of an emergence for the WNBA and things Mm -hmm. and you know and like watching late night television and Lisa Leslie is going to be on there. I'm like, I'm really excited. Like, wow, like amazing basketball players, right? Yeah, you know, amazing women. You know, and they would get on and, uh, and, you know, talking to Jay Leno and, you know, it takes Jay about five minutes. And say, how tall are you? And she's, oh, I'm six foot three. And I'm like, really? Like, oh, okay.
2: Like, I was expecting taller kind of thing. I remember when I found out how tall Michael Jordan was. Go, how, how tall is Michael Jordan? He's only six six. Yeah. Yeah, he's not even the tallest at all, anyway. But you're just like oh, you're like I could do that. I'm, 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 <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make
1: I mean, me Michael. Jordan basketball.
0: It, does, it doesn't make me Michael Jordan, but I could be. Yeah.
1: I could be you know? yeah, yeah. I found that I'm the same. I'm the exact same height as Arnie Arnold Schwarzenegger.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Like don't, don't.
1: He's twice as wide, though. You don't, wish. You wish.
0: Don't, don't meet your heroes, <laughs> yeah. man. They're all yeah. a lot shorter than they're all <laughs> a lot shorter than you are. They're all a lot and,
2: shorter
1: than you.
0: D- they. <laughs> You know, as occasionally, you know, commented on in 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 haste, um. So yeah.
1: So who have you looked up? To? Who have you looked up to?
0: So so hero hero worship wise, uh, there's there's a few. Like I've, I feel nervous mentioning them because I actually like I've met these people and I will meet them again. And
2: we've I, had I, lots I, of people say 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 they're friends. You know, yeah, definitely not necessarily people that were before or after them, but certainly people that they just like draw inspiration from that are around them yeah. yeah
0: okay yeah okay um so one of my first coaches linda murray uh just just astounding woman just an absolutely ast- phenomenal coach phenomenal just just wise beyond her years has the technical stuff has the motivational stuff and just again genuine inspiration like kind of every damn day every damn day uh so she's definitely one and kath bishop who i work with on love rowing who who is one is another one of the trustees. she was the chair she's now one of the trustees of love rowing uh really helped set it up really helped get it going and again like just very inspirational and it's the kind of thing it i mean it's the the whole story of like i rode for cambridge but the boat race wasn't the boat race. And so then I joined the national team and I went and I got an Olympic medal. And then I kind of said, screw this. I'm going to go solve peace in the Middle East. And she joined the diplomatic corps and has like had these amazing diplomatic corps stories and speaks a gazillion languages and, you know, and just lives her entire life. Like, like, I'm, I'm sure she doesn't see it this way, but it's all like she speaks all these languages and she does all these things and just gets it done. And then at the same time is a wife and a mother and who travels and who runs a charity. And, you know, I will get WhatsApps from her in the middle of the night because that's when she's up doing stuff. And I will respond to her in the middle of the night because that's what I'm up doing stuff. <laughs> and you know, and but nobody expects a reply, but that's okay. Right. So, so I find, I find that very inspirational. Um, I find a lot of people inspirational who've who've done it and then it's it's when they combine the other stuff on the side Mm. right so you look at like catherine granger who finally got her first gold medal and then in the same year got her phd Mm. right as a lawyer and wow and like she has her undergrad degree in law she has a master's in medical negligence and then she has a phd in criminal law right so like completely different aspects like Damn, her PhD advisor has has that famous story. Where, like they thought she was doing canoeing, and she didn't realize how good she was until like the Olympics happened. And they're like, "Hey, I know her," sort of thing. Great. um You know, didn't ask for an extension or anything because I'm a little busy in June. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, so yeah. So it's 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 there's so many people in rowing that like hit the peaks of rowing, and. While simultaneously it's not it's not they don't see it as like their defining thing.
2: Yeah. You know? Yeah.
0: And they don't let it be their defining thing. Yeah. Um I've never met him. Stan Lelutis, by every account, could have been, you know, the next you know, I'll say Pinsent instead of Redgrave, because they're both eaten they're both Oxford. Mm. And you know, and now he turns up once a year at the boat race does excellent commentary and then you won't hear from him again until the next boat race.
2: He had other st- other stuff to do, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um and, and you know, so you, you look at that uh, Pete Reed, Pete Reed, the only man of whom my husband was ever jealous in 14 years of marriage cracks me up every time. Um and It's the name.
1: Sorry. <laughs> it's the name.
0: I once mistakenly uh jet lagged landed in India, and used S-I-R-I to send a voice note to my husband saying that I'd landed, I was safe, I was ready for the next morning, and that I loved him dearly, and it didn't send to the correct Pete. <laughs> 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 and, and and the thing is, this by the time you hear the little robot voice going, sending to Pete Reed, O-B-E, like I don't, I don't across the bed and it's you know it's too late but you gotta try and stop the uncoming train and I have to tell and Uh, and, airplane
1: mode is your friend
0: oh my god oh my god (laughs) completely jadda and again nobody's supposed to know I'm in because I was in I at the time I was in a very secure job and security clearances so like literally my secretary and my husband knew where I was and like no one else was allowed to know so nobody's supposed to know I'm in India all this kind of stuff and it's just like Oh, my God. I'm like, dude, like, I'm very sorry. At least he knew my husband's name was Pete. And the whole thing, or really like that. And I'm just like, I'm dying. I'm jet lagged. I've got major business meetings in the morning. And I haven't been able to delete this fast enough. I think I injured my arm when I dove across the bed. But that's, like, the least of my concerns right now. God bless him. He just messaged me back. I woke up the next morning to this, love you too. And I'm like...
2: Oh, oh he's just a nice oh guy, God. isn't he? I love Pete.
0: I mean, I, he's 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 got above and beyond for me for a bunch of things and and it's amazing uh like i feel like i'm leaving people out here oh you can't name everyone yeah like you know alex gregory has been really helpful in getting me back on an erg um and coaching Mm -hmm. and just motivation and stuff like that and i mean like I, I, yeah, I, I know I'm leaving people out. There'll be more. I, I, You'll I, be li- I, in I'll, half an hour. I'll be texting you at two <laughs> o'clock in the morning going, oh yeah, oh yeah, that person.
2: No, and- it's what I love about it really is exactly kind of what you said. I love I, I love that other people who are listening to this podcast can hear all these different people name exactly what we said, name people who are around them, name people who you can draw inspiration from every day, be your parents, your friends, people that you specifically rode with. It doesn't have to be Steve Redgrave. You know, like yes, obviously you can draw inspiration from that, but there's so many people that, that also can draw inspiration. You know, it's all around you if you kinda of just you know put your head up and look. So I think that's kind of that's kind of you prove the point on that as well by, by naming some of those people. And it's not everyone, but I'm but sure it's just t- to name a few.
0: That, yeah, it's it's like being asked to pick your favourite child, I think <laughs> sort of thing. Right? Today today these are the people that will immediately spring to my mind. Yeah. Yeah, tomorrow, yeah. you know, tomorrow I'll face this challenge and and this person will immediately spring to my mind and you know i mean yeah like like going back to the granger example sort of thing she's achieved everything i want to in rowing and she's the only woman i know who has more law degrees than i do right like what's not to warm model yourself on with that sort of thing and she does commentary
2: yeah and i find i also find it interesting that you're you're sort of pointing to people like catherine granger and saying God, look, no, she's done more than me. Like, she's an example of someone who can go out and get and done more than me. And, like we said before, like, you're still the example I give people (laughs) when they tell me they don't have enough time to do anything. So I'm saying, I know this, I know, (laughs) I, I know this woman, Anne, and she does everything from, from probably more than five in the morning till 11 at night. She's absolutely busy, family job, everything going on. And still, 11 p.m., you would get on that ergo and you would sit on it. And you weren't just doing like, little sessions you're doing like 16ks 20ks i think because you were it was an hour. Ready. it was an, an hour, hour. An it was an hour.
0: hour so so for those of you who, who don't know uh tom came to search so, i think it was just it's just a service isn't yeah. like that Service the ergo uh when i had been invited to go train for a row in the maldives with gwyn batten and a bunch of other people who again we we've stayed friends one of my roommate from that trip is now on the board of U.S. Rowing and came to stay with me for Hadley Masters and it was so awesome. amazing. I, I, like, again, like, I'm surrounded by um, people demonstrably better at anything, any aspect that I do, that I do, right? And, um, and, and yeah, and I hadn't, I hadn't really trained since giving birth. Mm. Um, And Gwyn, Gwyn ran into me in Waitrose and was like, are you doing this? I was like, wait, what? Huh? What? Like, are you in? Do you want to do this? Uh, had not considered it as an option. And she's like, well, here's what you need to do. And I was like, let me talk to my husband. We've already explained about him. So he's just like, right, off you pop. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you know, you can afford this off you pop, let you know, go do it. Um, and it's like, okay, well, you're going to have to do an hour a day ergo, like every, like no gaps every day between now and you go. And you know, and you sit down, and the first one is is you know, kind of two, like three 20 twenty-minute sessions, yeah. and then two half-hour sessions, yeah. and and we had to get the TV set up in front of it because these are some long, long things, and um, and you know, and it was astounding.
2: It was astounding. It's just a perfect example. If you want something enough, you'll make time for it. You know, and that's what I tell people.
0: Like, and, and and yeah, yeah and. To be honest, I need to follow my own advice on that because I need to get back on the erg. I really need. I I, I did a five k every day in August, and then and it was great, and I got all the benefits. There were way too many five k's after midnight. I got to tell
2: you, five k's rubbish. Will, um, Pete, and I. There's so many more interesting sessions you can do. Are you very? It, it, it was it was, it was a
0: bet. I, it was a bet I had with a friend. Right, we're motivating oh, okay. each other. So it was a bet I had with a friend, and if we didn't do five k each day then you had to donate a tenor to the
1: political party
0: you opposed most.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Classic And And,
0: and I was not going to let them get, how, get my money.
1: How about we make a bet that I bet you you cannot do a fun ergo every day for the month of January. I, and a different session each day. Oh but it's God. still everyone oh of them would be fun.
0: So here, so here's the problem. I could at least do it in August because I didn't have to get up. at. I didn't have to start my day at six o'clock. To start the school bus run to start everything i'm like i am out the door at 7:50 7.50 or 7:55. sorry 6:50 6.50 or 655 every single day that is the start of my day and you know at the moment um at the moment i'm working with somebody uh leander athlete they're always very handy uh who sports massage guy and he's just like okay you've got this going on and you're telling me you want to do this and like let's work up and he's like could you get up at 5 30. And, I'm like, and I've been debating doing it anyway. And he's like, just get up at 5.30 and go for a walk. And I haven't even managed that at the moment. And I'm actually really hoping that with Christmas break for school starting on Wednesday, that like I can start to do it. Um, but equally, I know, that, I know that I'm fortunate that like I've got a whole bunch of people that are like, go on, but like, we'll set you a training program. We'll do this for you. Like, can you just get up at 5.30? Can you just do this kind of thing? and you know and i have great people that i can call on and i can do it and now i just need to actually you know the first step i need to take the first step i need to take the first step, yeah, the first step so and, the, and do it.
1: i understand all of that so the okay, only thing that own
0: I, damn advice
1: yeah just just yeah. just don't do boring 5k there's so many more fun like sessions that are more fun than that that you can do so yeah. just that
0: but i need i need to throw down some baseline fitness
1: yeah baseline I've,
2: fitness. I've also got myself back into it slowly my wife actually got got us kick-started and it's now
1: it's been good but um yeah speaking of busy schedules i think we need to need
0: Need to wrap this up
2: yeah
1: that's right and thank you so much for coming down it's been it's been really nice to to sit down and have a full-length discussion about henley women's about all gazillion different projects that you're doing about how you got into rowing and about what you've got planned for the future so i just really appreciate that i think what you're doing is is definitely drawing inspiration upon other people other people are going to be inspired by the work that you do by how you pushing women's sport to come into the 21st century properly and to also show that it's not any less interesting than what we've been provided with so far so no at some point i'd love to have you on again and- it's
0: it's been an it's been an absolute delight uh it's been absolute delight um Let's talk again in the summer when we actually, when we can actually talk about who's coming.
2: Yeah, definitely, definitely, we'll do that. Yeah, um, yeah, it's been awesome. I, uh, it's been such a fun one. So, like I said before, you know, I always, always love bumping into you. Um, never, you're always so busy. Never get the chance to sit down for this long and actually get into stuff. So it's been awesome. Um, I think you're an inspiration. Like I said, I, I use you as an example for other people. Um, I, I can't believe we-
0: you used me as an example to Imogen Grad.
2: Did I? Oh, yeah, yeah. There you of go. Course. <laughs> There like, you go. Like blink and flip um and um you know i know we've been talking about this for a while and you were like oh well, you know Cass knows a bit more about love rowing than me and on you know oh, what can we talk about and i was like i don't care what we talk about like i want to talk to you like you you <laughs> when we when we first started talking about doing this podcast we were like who loves rowing like who is passionate about rowing like who do you want to talk to and like your name came to the top of the list so it's a uh, it's it's annoying it's taken this long i'm a mate I'm, I'm so happy that we've got it and yeah definitely when when crews are out we'll have you back on and we'll talk a bit more about that
0: thank you very much for having me on thank you very much for letting me get out there that yet yeah, you there's a role for you in rowing and there's a place for you at handling women's and any question any question from where do i live to where do i park my private plane <laughs> yeah. I, i'm and anything in between We're, we're here We'd love to have you come to Henley, and it's it, it's very individual, and it's as much or as little as you want to make it. And we'd love to have you. And I'm really thrilled to be here and nerd out with you guys. I've always I've I've always got on with both of you from the get go, and it's 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 a real honor to be here.
1: Um, thank you very much. Thank you so much. Um, thank you. So, I think that concludes everything for today's episode. So on that note, easy there. Cue the music.